Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everyone, to this edition of the Completely Unnecessary Podcast for Tuesday, August 15th, 2017. Ian has got that connection through the city, and he's Ian Ferguson. Yeah, I am. I am Pat Contry. we got a lot of stuff lined up. We're going to be talking about Nintendo World Championship 2017, 7,500 NES systems for sale, the Olympics being added to gaming. Uh, Gaming being added to the Olympics. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Let's be added to gaming. We've done that already. That's called track and field and and winter games. Um, uh, We're also talking about, uh, we're doing a Patreon Q&A and other stuff. Uh, Ian, before we get all to to that, uh, talk about Game On Expo and your Mortal Kombat experience. (laughs) Well, first of all, Game On Expo is a lot of fun, but we'll probably touch on that a little bit more later. But let's talk about my favorite story from Game On Expo. Um about the guy who plays Jax. Uh, what was his name? Yeah. I had no idea. But getting on Expo, they had six Mortal Kombat characters, including Daniel Pacina, who was the original Johnny Cage and Scorpion and Sub-Zero. They had Sindel. They had Jax. Yep. They had Shao Kahn, the Sonya Blade from Mortal Kombat 3, and one other person I can't remember. So, anyways, it's uh, Friday. It's the first day of the convention. It's early. Friday. And uh, Friday. I gotta take a wicked pisser. And I head to the bathroom. And it's a big bathroom, and it's completely empty, and because it's early. And as I'm walking in, uh, Jax is uh, at one of, and Jax is ripped as shit. Uh, by Jax, the way, Jax, there's not many men that make me feel inadequate as a man. Jax makes me feel like a little puny, tiny little. He's more man. ripped now than he was when he played Jax. Could be. I, 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 I'm I, not going to go to tape measure and measure his pecs, but it could be. It I'm could pre- be right. I'm pretty certain. So, anyways, he's at the far urinal. It's a big bathroom. Don't think he notices it's like anyone walking. Yeah, long, right? I don't think he notices anyone walking. And as I'm walking in, he's zipping up and he flushes. And out loud, he says to himself, "Woo wee! <laughs> that feels better." Turns around, <laughs> sees me, gives me a quick little nod, and just scurries out the door as fast as he can, looking at the floor. And just something about it tickled me so pink. <laughs> Ian wins humiliation. <laughs> Literally, that is that was good stuff. Uh, Game on Expo was fun in general. Um, great to see our pal Norm, the gaming historian, um, and also Andre Meadows, who is kind of my probably could be my most favorite person in the world at this point. Um, any other highlights from the weekend besides me spending way too much money and you you guys witnessing me doing my Tetris packing for forty five minutes to fit everything? You know. You know. 
uh, doing the stanky leg with Phil Moore. Phil Moore from Nick Arcade was there. Phil Moore is a character. He's fantastic. Literally did the stanky leg with Phil Moore on <laughs> Sunday morning. He uh, jumped in front of the table and was like, good morning. And I was like, hey, Phil, how's it going? And he just started going, stanky leg, stanky leg, and doing the stanky leg. I mean, I didn't know what to do back, so I just started repeating, stanky leg, stanky leg, and doing the stanky leg with him. Have you ever actually had real stanky leg before? No, it's, but it's a dance. Yeah, but stanky, stank leg. Like I guess it means when you got like a loose stool coming down your leg. That's the way I interpret it. Oh, I no, no, no. It's never happened to you. No. Oh, okay. But I guess that that I mean that makes sense given the dance. That's what I think. I thought I thought that's where it came from. We can look it up online. I mean, that Ur- makes Ur- that Urban Dictionary. Sure, that makes perfect sense. All right. Anyway. It looks it looks like you're shaking a stool out. Yes, yeah, stanky leg. Yeah. Well, let's not. Go too deep into this explanation. A loose stool that that is running, dripping down your leg like into, hot pudding into your sock. Into yes. your sock, yeah. <laughs> Permanently soiling your shoes <laughs> and your foot forever. Anyways, yeah. Uh, 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 other than that, um, there is an NES Punk episode on the way. Woo! I'm editing it. Woo! It'll be out by next week. Woo! We also have a preliminary date set for the. Holy shit, is it the 8th annual NES Marathon coming up? Yeah. For the 8th annual NES Marathon. Yep. And there's a preliminary date. I don't want to announce it right now. I want to get my ducks in a more of a row to shoot their heads off. But um, we'll, we'll, there's going to be an announcement coming within the next two or three weeks, hopefully. They are. I, 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 it might be something different than what it you guys are used to. It should be pretty exciting. If it comes together, like the A-team, I need a Mohawk, like B.A. Baracus, I think. I always wanted to do that. Right? I, I'm I'm always the Mad Dog Murdoch of the group. Are you really? Is that yeah? Maybe a combination of uh, of face and B. A. Baracus. I was going to say Hannibal. Yeah, Dirk Benedict. Dirk Benedict. Do, do you know he he took on that last name after uh, eating a plate of eggs, eggs Benedict? Benedict? Yeah, because eggs Benedict is so what could could be the most underrated breakfast food ever. Could yeah. be. I know. I would uh, top top five breakfast food. Here we are agreeing. Yep. Yeah. Top five. We, breakfast we, we agree food. most time on breakfast. Yeah, we do. Except we, for buffets. But, well, well, we're going to go to a good one, though. I'm going to drag your ass to Bally High. That's that's the exception. You gotta... Oh, Bally High? Okay. I'll go to a Bally High bu- yeah, breakfast that's, buffet. That's like, that's like a, a breakfast blowjob that lasts hours. Okay. That's basically what that is. I'll tell you what. I'll do the Bally High breakfast buffet. Thank you. Do All I have right. to pay for you to go? No, you don't. No, not, okay. I was not say, at High. You can let me treat you for that forty dollars buffet. No, I, I love <laughs> Bally High so much. You don't even have to try to convince me on that one. It's taken you two, three years to try to talk me at four. And really? I've been, I've been asking for four years to go to Bally High. No, no, no. But I'm just saying, the first time you ever tried to talk me into a buffet was Magfest 2014. Were, Our last Magfest? No, 2015 was the last one. No, it was 20, It was it was January 2014. But that was a good one at the, at the Gaylord. That's a, that was a good buffet. That's where jo- Joey Rue uh, stole food off my plate. Yeah, he, he stole yeah, my locks. I wasn't impressed by what people were saying. Well, excuse me, but Belly High, I like that place a lot. Okay. All right. We're anyways, gonna, we're gonna do it. We're, me and you're gonna do a, a Sunday brunch date. I mean, we'll do a, we'll, we'll we'll do a YouTube live. We'll do that. That's that's the thing that kids are. are <laughs> that's the latest thing. I want to get into YouTube live. I can do that from from the flea market. That'd Hopefully, they have avocado toast. Oh, okay. So we were at Game on Expo. We did a wacky ass. 
wacky ass CU podcast panel ten fifteen in the morning on that the, Saturday. The the, the the Continental Breakfast podcast. Yes, the Continental Breakfast podcast. My my freaking hotel did not have a Continental Breakfast. It broke my streak of like twelve in a row of Continental Breakfast and my conve- conveyor belt pancakes, which I love. But we did do it, so we're gonna now cut to us discussing. Nintendo World Championships 2017. You can see how incoherent we are because we're half asleep with no with no food in our bellies. So we're gonna we're gonna do a nice segue to that right now. Let's talk about Nintendo World Championships. Sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. And also Nintendo World Championships 2017 that was just announced a few days ago. So, did you guys know about that one that took place a couple years ago for the 25th anniversary of the NWC 1990? Yes. We talked about it on the podcast. By show of hands or applause, it'd be too embarrassing playing this back because there's no one here. By show of hands and applause, have you guys heard of the one that came out two, two years ago? What did you guys think of that? I thought it was kind of, I don't know, it was like there was the retro tree challenge or something, like Treehouse. branching into a, they had like a branching path on a map. For the for the events, I don't know what I'm talking about. It, it, was, a it was a mess. It, it was weird just because they had the one of the, they remember that the big announcement was the Metroid game and it was that Prime Federation Force three uh, DS mess. And that was met with a thud. Did that game even come out? Did anyone buy that game? Who it, bought that game here? I don't know, anyone? but I actually saw a copy of it come through the store the other day. Really? So one person bought it. At least. They bought that right here. Yeah. Oh, they have NWC nineteen ninety shirt on. So. Um, so it was a decent event. You had it was weird because you had there's eight locations that that you had one winner at at Best Buy stores, and then you had eight YouTubers slash celebrities to uh, engage in. I think Eagle Raptor was a person that was one of the eight, and they all I guess had like they were teamed up, which I thought was weird, and then they split them out after the teams for certain events. So it was cause kind of a strange event. Nintendo, don't kill me, uh, but they brought they're bringing it back for 2017. Ian. Yes, um, and hopefully it won't be as convoluted this time. But it's again going to be, they're going to have uh, eight Best Buy locations. It's starting on August 19th, and they're doing um, qualifiers with Mario Kart 7, which I think is an interesting throwback. Um, but I imagine they're doing it because everyone's played Mario Kart 8 a ton recently. Well, So they want to go back to something where people are going to have to practice up on it, I think. Well, either that or the Best Buys don't have enough switches to go around to set them all up, you know, for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. <laughs> That's also possible. But it might be easier just to manage the little 3DSs with people. I don't know. It might be easier to link them up against each other if they wanted to do something like that in the store. Or is it, or is it time? It's a time qualifier. Correct? Yeah, you're racing against the ghosts. So competitors ages 12 and younger will play on Luigi's Mansion track as Mario using standard cart, standard wheels, and super glider. 13 and older... Thirteen older will be doing Bowser Castle One as Bowser with the same car configurations. So it is a best times. Local qualifiers will face off at the championships proper in New York City. New York City. This this sauce is made in New York City. Why did we all Why, collectively I don't know. remember we that? We all remember from 1997 <laughs> at the same time. Uh, but it's interesting. So it's not going to be at at uh, Universal Studios. It's not going to be. You think it'll be at the, the, the at the headquarters at New York World? Yeah. Uh, in, in the Nintendo World? Probably. Not New York World, New York World. New York, New York World. World, that famous location. <laughs> um, anyone who visits the participating Best Buy locations on the days of the qualifiers will get a chance to play Super Mario Odyssey, get that marketing in, advertising, and then all, along with uh, a Metroid Samus Returns. A the, Metroid? 
A Metroid 2 remake. That's not a Metroid 2 remake. <laughs> a Metroid 2. My Nintendo members can also receive 100 platinum points by checking into the event with their QR code. You always got to get that in there. You know, make sure you're using My Nintendo Rewards. Does anyone use My Nintendo I, Rewards? I still use it. Okay, I, well, what do you actually get from it? Crap. Okay. <laughs> I, I feel like they've just hooked a lot of people into uh, doing it for no reason. Because I haven't done anything since Club Nintendo. Oh, I miss going to the swap and finding the random DS games over the case and snapping pictures of the codes that weren't used. <laughs> that was always good. I think I, I think I got a puzzle that way for free back in 2007. Um, I did some nefarious means of gathering. So does it, does it turn, turn you off that, like, the 2015 event, it's only in eight locations? I think it's, there's not even one in San Diego. It's L.A., San Francisco, uh, New York. Uh, you, have, you have the article in front of you. Okay. Uh, you were holding it. Well, because you weren't, you weren't looking at it. I was. I don't want to touch I was, your I was grimy, non-case, closed iPhone 4. You're a crude man. <laughs> You're a crude man, and I don't like you. Um, <laughs> San Jose, Chicago, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, Dallas, Seattle, and Miami. San Jose? Not yeah. San Francisco? No, not San Francisco. That says San Jose. L.A. was in there? Los Angeles. All right, you, you want to drive up for that? No. Hang out with Andre for the weekend, maybe? I would like to hang out with Andre, but I don't want to do any sort of competing in a video game tournament while landing lines. Well, I think it was hours and hours of wait time a couple of years ago from when I heard. It was like six, seven hours to wait. Uh, anyone here try to do the 2015 qualifier? How long did you wait, sir? Uh, two hours. Two hours at what location? So I was in New York. New York? Two hours? What time did you get there? That, About 6.30 a.m. It's just that, was it that one day or the weekend you got? Uh, that was the one day one. Oh, awesome. So that was not bad, but 6.30 in the morning, and the line behind you was probably ridiculous, though. Yeah, so when I left, it was around the building. Okay, um, so you potentially can wait waiting seven hours. Yeah. But what, what game did you play back then? So that was the three of them. That was Mario 1, uh, Mario 3, and then the Oh, they took it from the from the remix. It was the it was the remix one, right? Yeah. They the remix uh, competition. That's thing. right. That's right. So I man, I wonder why they're doing Mario Kart only then. I don't know. I, because as much as I love Nintendo, everything they do is ass backwards and a clusterfuck. Oh, uh, everything, absolutely everything. Most eighty-seven percent, eighty-seven percent of the things they do. Um, I don't know. I I feel like they do it now because it chases the nostalgia, but there's. I don't feel like they put a lot of effort into well, the tournament. The tournament itself? On yeah. the actual day? Yeah. When they did it? I, I just didn't like all the team events. How do you stand out in a team event? Uh, you know, like they did the Splatoon thing. Obviously they're, obviously, they're using this to push their, their games at the same time. Obviously. Sure. I, I, I can almost guarantee you that Odyssey, Super Mario Odyssey, is going to be a part of this competition. Like, they're going to fit in somehow. You know, they're just going to try to throw in everything they can. Right. We'll have like, oh, we're going to give you, oh, play balloon fight for 23 seconds again. By the way, I'm not kidding. I would have won balloon trip at that competition. I'm not, I'm not, that was not the best showing. And I think one person got on me saying, well, I was there and it was lagged. And I was like, all right, fine. But, okay, I'm being petty right now. I'm very petty. You're being petty. I'm really pet, petty, petty. Well, I'm not paying the fact that I wasn't asked to participate, but you know, you know, you get the YouTubers out there, you get the people that have millions of views, and I don't, you know, that's not the sads. Not the sads right now. This is what happens when I want breakfast. <laughs> Can someone run and get me a breakfast burrito? <laughs> Will you stop using the audience? I'm not using the audience. Right? <laughs> I'm asking them. I'm not demanding you, sir. Get out and get me a burrito. Well, run and get me a burrito, <laughs> sir. <laughs> waffles. Where are the waffles at? 
I'm going to get in touch with you on Twitter. Hey, the guy that said that you're going to bring me waffles, bring me waffles. Okay, tomorrow, tomorrow bring me waffles. Quick, go back okay. in time. <laughs> One day only. Oh, too bad. The audience is sassing now. The audience is turning <laughs> Back to NWC. So, I mean, okay. So, what is this happening, Ian? Uh, it starts on August 19th, and then it goes through September, uh, and then it happens October 7th. In New York City. <laughs> Salsa Town. All right, that's our topic uh, du jour. We'll come back to that later. So, we got 50 minutes of time to fill right now. And we're back. Ian, the points you made were so salient, I tell you. At, at the two minute forty seven second mark, that was brilliant. What you said right there. Yeah, and you really came strong with your opinions at about uh, the three minute eighty seven second oh, point. I, I agree, Ian. But your counter at four twenty twenty nine was was <laughs> right on point. Okay, Ian. There's a really weird as you crack your knuckles to get into it. Really weird Craigslist listing out there. Yeah, this is... Okay, so this is very strange. <laughs> um, so, Craigslist... Uh, this is in Phoenix, actually, uh, which is unique, uh, just because that's where we just were. And it's titled, Unlimited Supply of Nintendo NES System Console. Could this have been a plan to draw us in part of the long play? This is part... This could have been part of the long play. Inside joke! This is part of the long play. <laughs> Um, <laughs> a pyramid of NES consoles. <laughs> so, it uh, listed 3,040. Um, anyways, so it reads, I have over 7,500 Nintendo NES console systems for sale. That's respectable. I will not sell less than 50 at any single time. I sell them two ways. First is untested as is for 30 each. Or clean in 100%. For 45 each. Don't send me offers or trades. They'll be ignored. I can do a similar deal for DS systems, DSi, XL, Lite, Original, etc. And televisions, Ataris, etc. This is interesting. Who it's the hell strange. is this person that is stockpiling <laughs> systems as if a nuclear war is going to happen? Right. Well, it might at this point. I mean, in a well, yeah. In a bunker, 7,500? I, I, I mean, that's insane. You don't need to knock any eliminators at that point. Just toss out the old console. All right. What's interesting to me, though, is the pricing. Um, just from a business perspective, um, we buy... At, at Luna, for instance, we buy a Nintendo system from someone that as long as we can see... Even if it's flashing constantly and it's a pain in the ass, as long as we can get at least a flashing picture... Mm-hmm. After a handful of tries, we'll pay thirty-five for it. Thirty-five, no hookups and controllers. No, with one controller and the hookups, we'll pay. 30, okay. it, we'll pay thirty-five with one controller and the hookups. We'll pay thirty-five, knowing that we have to put legwork into getting it good Clean. and going. Yeah. As long as we can see a picture, even if it's flashing or scrambled. Okay. Um, or we do forty-five in credit. So, untested, given that Nintendos are generally fixable and repairable and just need some cleaning, it's not a horrible price, at least for a business, to me. I don't, I don't think that's I, awful. 
I think it's awful. No AC adapter. No oh, control. I'm sorry. These have nothing. These have nothing. They don't oh, have, okay. They don't have anything with them. Oh no, then that's 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 awful. That's this, shit. I was, I'm sorry. I'm I'm thinking on along the lines of these have everything you need. No, no, that that's awful. No, this is a pyramid of NES consoles. Who the hell is this person that said? How do you do that? I have no idea. How how many years would you have to look at all your flea markets? Even if you owned a game store, yeah, and and took them all in, and never sold any. How long would it take you to get seventy five hundred in Phoenix? I feel like how long is it going to take you to move them? Then I no, I I, I mean I want to make sure everyone knows I'm clear. I'm totally backtracking on my back statement. The, back the fuck up. Yeah, it's um, insane. You back the fuck up. I made a mistake. Just, hey, just because you humiliate Jax doesn't mean you can you can talk me that way. <laughs> Uh, anyways, I know that that's insane for an untested system. Um, especially, you know, given that you would have to get controllers, hook up cords, even though wholesale, um, you know, the cords are cheap. Um, yeah, that's insane. I, I would say untested. If you have seven hundred, you can you should be happy for fifty time. If you got fifteen dollars each, I was gonna say I, no. That's exactly what I was gonna say. I was that's gonna right. Say, without without a controller and without hookups, fifteen each untested, maybe. And that's yeah, no fifteen, sure. And an NES, you can get, I would say, ninety-five percent of NES consoles working with a little bit of, of cleaning the pin. I'd say that ninety-five percent, I think, are safe. Luna drops five bucks for every missing cord, so that means Luna pays twenty bucks for just a system that we know we can get to work. With an AC adapter, without an AC adapter, you without, so so basically, it starts at thirty-five, knock five off for without an AC. An AC, without one cord, knock five off for another, knock five off without a controller. If it doesn't have a, a composite, you knock five bucks off. We knock, yeah, we knock, we okay. knock five. Basically, anything it's missing, okay. just as a general rule, we okay. knock five off. Definitely the controller, definitely the AC adapter. Dude. So composite, I would argue. Well, that's so like- the lowest we would pay for a an NES that we were sure we can get working with cleaning is 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 twenty. So this person then is basically asking for a minimum of fifteen hundred dollars because he has to do fifty times thirty untested. And even if most of them work, that's still not the greatest. No, that's a pretty. And then he's going to charge a. a Cleaned it 100 percent for 45 each without anything. So then you have to piece together. If you want, to, if you're at a retail shop, at NES go go for what 70 bucks, 80 with two controllers. Yeah. At this point, we'll just say 80. You got to get two controllers. That'll cost you between 10 and 15 if you want real ones, right? So we'll just say 15. You're up to 60. An AC adapter, let's just say, is four bucks or whatever, and then a hookups another dollar or two. You're going to be making like 15 dollars profit at your store. On that investment, all that time, that's not worth it for most people, probably. No. Especially if you buy a minimum of fucking fifty of them. Yeah, that's the best deal you can do. You gotta sell them, uh, buddy. You're the one who who's, who who can build a, a tree tree house out of these. So uh, that's insane to me. I feel like it should be minimums of twenty. I feel it should be have that price. And then do, yeah, 20 or 25. No, I, I agree that it should be half that price and minimums of 20. Um, the, I mean, obviously, maybe this person is joking. The picture shows probably about 200. If you look at the stacks and what you yeah. can count there, it's probably 200 to 250. But you don't know how far back <laughs> you know they go or how many other rooms there are. Um, I really find it hard to believe there's 7500. I feel like if you call up and set up a meeting, you'll walk in and you'll see Fat Cat from the Rescue Rangers uh, prancing around on top of a pile smoking his cigar. Uh-huh. I mean, 
<laughs> but the fact that he says I can do similar deals for DS, right. DSi, slash XL, slash Lite, says original. And that's what really gets me is like, what has this how person many, been yeah. doing? How many, in, you don't have 7,500 intellivisions laying around. I mean, I'd be, I'd be shocked if you had 50 of them. And Atari's maybe and working. Yeah, yeah. And then because in television controllers are so prone. We're going to have 300 Atari systems. Up, yeah. You know, like at most that you've got 7,500 NESs. Maybe he meant 750 and dropped an extra zero. You know, like maybe it was like that. Or maybe it's the same person that had the 150 Night Traps because they're around here. <laughs> maybe they just come by, they, they collect everything. You know, who knows? All right. Well, that's a fun topic, Ian. Um, yeah. We like, we like people that are hoarding thousands of game consoles. <laughs> Ian, the 2024 Olympics are going to be here before you know it. And then they're going to be in L.A. in 2028. They're going to come back. We're mm. going to see that when we're close to 50 years old. Mm. And Frank will be hopeful, Frank will hopefully be still alive and can watch wrestling in person again, <sighs> like he did in 1984. But um, the host city's Paris in 2024, and they're thinking about those good old Olympics ending a gaming tournament. No. Well, remember the, the Olympics a few years ago? When it was what, in Rio, they had a, they had a gaming tournament not associated with the Olympics, but they had one around the same yeah. time to try to legitimize that. Hey, it's esports. We're trying to get it in there. The only esport is fire pro wrestling. So the the 2024 Summer Olympics, according to Gamespot, could feature video game competitions. The co-president of the Paris Olympic Big Committee told the Associated Press that discussions will be held with people from competitive gaming circles and the International Olympic Committee to discuss the prospect of having gamers compete for Olympic gold. Tony Estanguet, the co-president of Frank's Bid Committee, told the Associated Press that the gaming community deserves to at least be part of the discussion. No, they don't. They don't. But okay, that's the that's what you want to go with. Okay, we have to look at it because we can't say it's not us. It's not about Olympics. The youth, yes, they are interested in esport and this kind of thing. Let's look at it. Let's meet them. Let's try if we can find some bridges. I don't want to say no from the beginning. I think it's interesting to interact with the IOC, with them, the esports family, to better understand that the pro- what the process is and why it is such a success. A list of trial events for the 2024 games in Paris will begin to take form in 2019, while the official sports list for 2020 games in Tokyo will be announced right then. So, all right. Uh, the Blizzard Chief uh, Officer Rob Pardo said... There's a very good argument to be made for, for gaming being part of Olympics. I think the way you look at esports is that it's a very competitive skill set. 300 actions per minute and stuff. They talk about that, and et cetera, you, et cetera. And you look at these professional gamers, and their reflexes are lightning quick. And they're, go, they're having to make very quick decisions on the fly. When you look at their acts per minute, they're clearing over 300. Here's my problem. My big problem with the idea of gaming entering Olympics is that Olympic events... At this point, mostly, 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 are tried and true and remain the same from Olympic to Olympic to Olympic. With gaming, well, okay, if it gets accepted, it may start with Dota 2. Mm-hmm. But Dota 2 is not going to be a timeless test of the- eSports Olympics. There'll be another MOBA that comes out a few years later to replace it. Right. So you same with, same with the fighting game. So you don't have these classically trained athletes who are learning and competing in a traditional sport. And while I don't really give much of a fuck about the Olympics, at least there's tradition 
and heritage to the sports that are contained within the Olympics. Going back to ancient Greece. Yes. And while there have been new events added over time... And some taken away. And some taken away. They are more or less traditional sports that do not change over time and do not need updating. Esports would need updating. And that's not... To me, that's not... And like I said, I don't really give a fuck about the Olympics, but just for the sake of argument, that's not in the spirit of the Olympic Games. That's my issue. Sure, that's one of them. Like I said, like... like I, street- I have other issues, but I think that's the most right. basic argument one can make against it. I think it's I think it's disrespectful to Olympic athletes. I just think on the, on the outset, the fact that uh, a video game can come out, you can say, well, you gotta be good at video games before that. Fine. A video game will come out, the next Street Fighter, the next year then, it could be in the Olympics... So I got to train in that game for one year when these Olympic athletes have been, been training for 20 to 30 years for an opportunity to make it. I think it spits on them. I just sure. do. I, 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 I don't disagree. Uh, it spits on them and the effort they're putting in. And it's not fun. Playing games is at least fun. Every day. It's not fun to train your ass off every day in track and field and grind it out and then maybe get an injury one day and your hopes are fucking dashed forever. Right. There's a high amount of risk when it comes to being an Olympic athlete and... Those Olympic athletes in many of those sports are trading purely for glory. They're not making money. Amateur wrestlers don't. There's no. The professional wrestling, yes, you can have a couple amateur wrestlers going in there. 99% of amateur wrestlers, they're screwed in the U.S. Either they got to go somewhere overseas to try to make a small living, they're done. Right. If, I, if I'm a skeet shooter, that's it. I got. I try to go for my gold, and that career is over. Over. It's at done. that point. Right. The 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 esports professional gamers can leave the Olympics and go back to, uh, you know, making their money. How many professional uh, javelin leagues are there? And I mean, to be fair, I mean, just because someone will call us out in the comment section on it. Yes, there's. You know, the USA, or there's the basketball players and the other major sports, uh, you know, teams that can go but back. But that's to the minority. Money. But it is the minority of events. Of Olympic events where. I just have... wanted to point it out, point it out because you know yeah. there's going to be that one person who's like, Whoa. all right, show me that professional uh, kayaking league. The two person right. uh, kayak that they do. Yeah. Or, or, or the bobsled team that's making the big bucks. Oh, biathlon. <laughs> the ski, skiing and shooting league. That was, that was actually a Saturday Night Live skit where they had Nancy Kerrigan talking about her you know, going to the, to the uh, ice capades and making a ton of money with endorsements. And you have Rob Schneider have his face blown off, who was a biathlete. And you have Norm MacDonald, who was a luge guy. He's like, yeah, I'm going back to working at the, uh, the Home Depot. And yeah, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. So I think it's disrespectful for those two uh, reasons. The other way is when I talked about in general, whenever I talked about uh, like what, trying to follow a MOBA on TV, it's fucking impossible to follow what's going on if you don't know nothing about it. It's, some of these are going to translate to TV extremely poorly. Right. When, you, when you watch these first-person shooter team games on TV, they go back and forth. Between both teams and one player time, you can't possibly follow that. Only people who watch, who play those games, follow them. The only, and I'm I'm not making an exception for this or saying that this would, or I would watch this or make an exception for this in Olympics is 
Fighting games are always fun for me to watch. Yeah, I can watch that. I can watch that. I can watch fighting games and figure out what's going on because it's one-on-one. Because it's a fucking fight. But a MOBA? But but a MOBA? Absolutely not. And they could even announce it properly when I was watching on ESPN on what is the the, the fucking dorm tournament, whatever the hell that was. And then forget about first-person shooters because you're never seeing all the action at one time. You just can't. That's just the nature of it. You know, so as much as we want to see people getting bronze and silver medals for Splatoon in the future... I don't see it's happening for those reasons, as we stated. I'd love think- to see Vani get gold in the U.S. for <laughs> Splatoon, but yeah, I mean... He I, comes I, up with some roses and gives it to her on the stand. <laughs> yeah, exactly, but no, yeah, just... No. And that's not the... And we're not trying to belittle the quote-unquote e-sports e- athletes or whatever. That has nothing to do because with Because there's a lot of skill with that. It's there just, is skill. It, it's just, it's not... I've done somewhat competitive gaming, not professionally. The, it's... It, they're they're different beasts entirely. Yeah, and then and then if you do that, and guess what? And then uh, it, it, you can make the argument that all right, then chess is trying to get in forever. I don't think chess would be in the Olympics, but I would put chess in way before a video game. Exactly, because chess has been played for thousands of goddamn years. Yeah, I would put chess in. I put in fucking snakes, snakes and ladders. No, which became shoots and ladders. Shut been up. Played for thousands of years. Shut it. A mahjong? No. Oh, he had to think about it. No, I wouldn't because it. I mean, on the same level of poker. Um, you know, it, the best Mahjong, you know, the stat is something like the best Mahjong players, um, the best Mahjong players only win 34% of their hands or something like that. Just over a third. Just like poker. Yeah, Poker, exactly. if you win 25%, there, you're great. You there's know? there's skill to it, but a lot of it's reading. I mean, there's still yeah. a good percentage of luck there. Yeah, that's an open door. You're going to have poker then in the Olympics. You're going to have board games. You're going to have la- fucking laser tag. You know, I'm sorry. Well, laser tag at least is athletic and strategy. I mean, you know, all right, fuck it. I'm laser tagging it. Laser tag should be in let's there la- before any of the other let's ones. Let's laser tag it. All right. Uh, this is an interesting story. Uh, well, it's an interesting product. Hyperkin seems to be pumping out things we're talking about every month, whether it's a, you know like a Game Boy adapter for your smartphone or what have you. How about the Save Wizard for PS4, Ian? The first and only save editor for PlayStation 4. Um... Save Wizard for PS4 allows you to cheat on your save, allowing never-before-seen amounts of money, max ammo, character stats, and more. It's a save editor allowing you to cheat on your saves. They are not pre-made, unchecked, poor-quality saves with alleged cheats uploaded by others. These are in-house produced and tested cheats, which you can apply to your save at any point at any time. So you can help beat the game or breathe new life into a forgotten classic. Optimized to work with your PlayStation 4 without the need to do illegal modifications, Save Wizard for PS4 is an easy-to-use program. All you need is a PS4 with the copy-to-USB storage device function enabled. A PlayStation Network account may be required to activate this. A computer running Windows 7 or higher with internet connection and any compatible USB drive not included. Supports all regions apart from Japan. So, there you go, Ian. Um, You're going to copy your save from PS4 to any USB drive, insert it in your PC... It's going to det- the software is going to detect your supported saves, and then you're going to apply the cheats there, and I guess put it back onto your PlayStation Four. Yep, exactly. Um, it's, it's become a far far away from Game Shark, right? <laughs> it's this is weird to me because since the PS2, um, basically since since the the advent and the release of the 360 and the PS3. Um, and I guess you could even say the the, the Wii. Um, since the advent of online gaming, 
whether it's been forbidden through TOS, and I don't know if it has been. Terms of service. Um, or not, you have not seen actual cheats, actual cheat editors um, on these systems. And I think it's largely because of two reasons. Uh, one is they don't want people, you know, getting trophies and showing off. Sure. Without, without getting it. Excuse me, Jesus. The other is I don't think they want people to have unfair advantages online. Well, and sure, that's the main thing. Yeah, well, yeah, this and that's is... and that's my bigger concern. Yeah, if you can if you can hack your save game, yeah, you can unlock, I guess, all the achievements, right, all the trophies. But then I guess you can then level up your character for online play, right? You can basically bypass <laughs> the need to play the game fairly or regularly. However. When you look through the list of supported games... There's 123 right now that are supported. It looks like it was last updated on August 12th. <laughs> and 7,843 cheats total. When you look through the list of games, I think they somehow might be bypassing the list of supported games. I think they somehow might be bypassing any problems because I'm not seeing any online-heavy games here. Uh, I mean, there's Dark Souls 3. If you look at the cheats, you get max souls and max items. So that could be detrimental to online play, but you're not seeing any, like, Call of Duty cheats or anything like that. So it's interesting to me because this is the first time we've seen, at least without a hack, without a hack, that that's that's the big thing. Without a hack, you're seeing a... Um, like I said, a, a, a cheat, de- it's not really a device, but cheat software that does not require a hack that allows you to actually apply a cheat. And by what I mean actually apply a cheat, it's not a save game you're downloading from someone who's already unlocked everything mm-hmm. and you're apply- you're using it as your own. Supposedly this is actually applying an actual cheat to your already existing game save. Um it's interesting also that they did go out of their way, it appears, to avoid online heavy games. I don't know well, how I feel about this. Uh, it, well, it's... there's Ultimate Marvel, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3. There's Ultra Street Fighter 4. Oh, well, let's it's see. There. Well, I mean, you want to there... see what is, you run through it? So, from let's... Ultimate MVC 3, max player points, unlock all gallery, battle data, max wins, no losses, no draws, max longest win streak, max hyper combo wins. Max time over wins, max perfects, no cheap wins. Does that affect your online, like, what is displayed? It affects what's displayed, but it doesn't affect how you can play. That's still bullshit, but that's though. still bullshit. That's basically allowing... Yeah, that is bullshit. That's, that's basically allowing you to reset your win-loss records. Ultra Street Fighter 4. Unlock all. EX1 titles, standard titles, personal actions, character colors, icons. That's not... That's not as... That's not... Bad. That's not bullshit. That basically gives you access to cosmetic features to decorate your online card. Ukulele, have all moves. Wonder Boy, the Dragon's Trap. No quick mode sheets are available, but it can be edited in advanced mode. Okay. So, but the potential's here, though, to affect online play. Absolutely. Oh, the, the, yes. The potential's there, and all it's going to really take is a third party site, I think, to kind of crack this open. And that could ruin a lot of things. And and Hyperkin knows this. Uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider, you get max skill points, max ammo, max common resources. So, um, 
uh, will Sony come after them? I'm can not, they? I, I think, I don't know. I'm not sure Are if they Are they breaking can. a terms of service by by hacking saves that people put into a PC and come back on? Hyperkin's been shady before. I mean, with the, the launch of the, you know, Retron 5 using open source, you know, emulators and then charging for them, you know, and then trying to, you know, take care of it later. Um, but I feel like they may have realized that they could get in a shitload more trouble with this, and they may have read the fine print or looked into it. Um, if Sony's not a bunch of <clears throat> emulator authors. Right. A little bit bigger. Yeah, exactly. Either way, I think that this has the ability to be abused by people who can really look into how this is working. Uh, uh, well, if this can affect some way the bottom line, like if there's some way you can edit this to get... Like stuff like DLC early or something I did, like that. I did actually check that. Was there um, something in there for that? I I, I checked um, because I can occasionally be uh, interested in some pervy games. I checked Galgun Double Piece. Okay. Um, to see if they had the uh, Pheromone Z whatever um, unlock, and they don't. And that's a that's a DLC that costs like an insane amount of money, like okay. seventy dollars. And uh, they don't have it on there. So, so far, I can't find any cheats that actually unlock DLC. The Street Fighter one with the costumes, that's all stuff you can win in the game? Is that what it is? For the, actually... All, all the Street Fighter uh, characters' colors? Oh, colors is not. Costumes would be. Okay. So maybe they're going to be careful then and realize right. we got to do stuff that, that's only unlockable by playing. But that's what I'm saying. If other people figure it out, like and you know, people who are good with this sort of stuff look at it and figure out how, how to. to. Then they're open themselves because up. Colors are on disc. Oh. DLC for Gale so, Gun is on disc. Those costumes were known to be on disc, the uh, unlockable. So if someone else figures out how to use this and, uh, and manipulate this Sony software, will come after them. Sony could come after. Because them. if they start, then unlocking time DLC stuff to get it early or something. You're going to have these publishers throwing a, a freaking fit. What, what it also might do, though, humorously, is um, stop publishers from putting doing the fucking on-disc DLC On-disc DLC. Sure. But, but, that, but at that point, then, you know, uh, there's going to be... You're going to hear about this. Hyperkin's always walking a very fine line. And, uh, I mean, we, we do. We make use of their products. But... Um, at some point, they're going to get themselves into some fucking hot shit. Yeah, I, I would I would say that as a cheat device, um, they, you know, there's always going to be cheat devices out there. If you're doing this for achievements, though, I mean, yeah, I guess if you don't want to play through a game to, to get everything. Oh, there goes my nerd. I, I mean, I have no problem with cheating on single-player games. Like, that's one thing. You're not online, though. But not if you're doing online. And that's and that's breaking terms of service when you're doing it. For, yes. for goddamn sure. If you're is. doing it online, it's definitely breaking terms of service. Just like if you're using, um, you know, rapid-fire controllers and shit online, they can, if they detect that, they can, you know, give you a temporary ban or a full ban or something like that. Sure. Just very disappointed that huge oversight. There's no Danny Sullivan's Indie Heat cheats at, at this point in time. Uh, because it's not on the PS4. Huh. Which in and of itself, is a very large oversight. All right. All right, so... Ian, we have a scumbag. Scumbag. Seller. 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 The. We. we. Before we get started, a quick... Uh, we have to now address the current scumbags and the past ones. So we called out that one-up retro for, for hawking the, the fake gold cards. <laughs> 
and I guess they went off on us. Someone said in their fa- on their Facebook page saying they're just sad because they're pushing that other that other uh, that other uh, NWC repro. Yeah, the problem, the, the the difference is which which there's you, a small difference here that we point out. We'll point again because you're fucking. I mean, stupid. it's a, it's only a tiny. It's a difference. tiny difference. You fucking idiots. But it's it's that you are trying to make yours look re- legitimate. That can be used to, to scam someone else, mm-hmm. whereas you missed it because we fucking said it clearly on the last podcast. <laughs> the other ones don't look legitimate. I they cannot be a, confused by even someone 10 feet away. That's they the are a different color, and they come in a translucent shell. Am I speaking slowly enough? <laughs> For you, they look nothing like the original. And then someone said, "Well, that's like going after a knife seller if, if, if you end up stabbing someone." So fuck off. Really? You're compared to someone selling knives, selling something that's a counterfeit item. That's what you're doing. Something that's gonna be used to deceive people. By the way, you, you can stab someone with an NWC car too if you, if you hit the right area in the ribs. You know, you talk about cracking someone's ribs open before. We won't say who before in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we have a scumbag song of the week. Week, week. Uh, week. And who is it, Ian? It is Enchanted underscore Eric. Probably not 8-Bit Eric, let's hope. No, I don't. I don't I, <laughs> I don't think so. So what are, what, are they, what are they selling? What is this Enchanted one selling? Well, they appear to be... <laughs> this one's twofold. <laughs> this, is, this is great. Starting bid is US one cent. They uh, list this as they are selling a Jason vs. Freddy NES hack ROM. Okay. 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 That would be bad in and of itself. Yeah, that would that would be that would be scumbag worthy in and of itself. Yeah, that would be scumbag worthy in and of itself. And we've covered that. You know the fact that you know uh, selling ROMs is awful. Um, but if you go <laughs> if you go down a little bit further, um, you know, just a little bit further down. And you read the description. The description is one sentence. You will receive a link to the infamous Jason vs. Freddy NES ROM hack video on YouTube. So they're going to give you a link, link to a video. To a video. But why is it? I never heard of an infamous ROM hack before. Did it kill someone? Did it Did it do something dastardly that we don't know about? Is it haunted? Freddy does it, does it play the brown note? Jason NES. I just typed in... Freddy versus Jason NES, and there's I don't know, twelve videos that came up av- immediately of Freddy versus Jason Donkey Kong edition NES hacks, another NES hacks. Uh, you you have Mr. Paku Paku's one. You have uh, the LGN Defender playing it. Uh, you have KW uh, K Box playing it. So this isn't hard to find. It's no. it's there. You know what isn't hard to understand. Making repros of NWC gold <laughs> cards that look just well, like the NWC gold well, cards Pat, that could potentially be used to trick someone. Pat, you're just doing it because you're afraid of affecting the value of yours. That's why. Using your podcast to protect the value. Scumbags. That's what I'm doing. It's always fun, though, to look at what they're also selling besides that. I'm just curious what gets in the mindset of selling, let alone a fucking counterfeit game, but from selling a fucking YouTube link. Like counterfeit... I'm confused now. Which scumbags are we talking I about? I don't know. They're all. But this this seller, Enchanted underscore Eric, is selling a $3 off cool cigarettes a cartoon coup- a carton coupon. Oh my god! 
uh, a Blue Apron, $30 off your first delivery gift card. Well, we love Blue Apron. Proud sponsors of the CU Podcast. Hey, hey, Blue Apron. Use code, uh, was it uh, blueapron.com slash uh, pad, is it, or CU Podcast? It's one of those. Um, Naked Wines, $100 voucher. And then a mini ping pong table dollhouse miniature model. Oh, very adorable. A, a grizzly tobacco coupon. As grizzly well. snuff, $7 yeah. off. <laughs> a vintage black desk phone dial telephone dollhouse miniature. So they like dollhouses. Um, and they like selling uh, coupons to to uh, snuff and for cool cigarettes. By the way, uh, the value of that is one one hundredth of a cent, <laughs> not one cent. So you, you shouldn't be selling coupons either. People do that on eBay all the time. Red Seal Long Cut Tobacco, three seventy five off. It's currently at eleven cents uh, with two bids. You can get in on that. Yeah, I am. Two in tobacco. My favorite is probably the New York City Metro Card Souvenir Collectible. It's a Metro card. I don't see how it's a souvenir. It's just a Metro card they brought back from New York, their New York City uh, trip. This stuff's made. Probably the favorite thing is the Marvel Universe Series 1 uh, wax packs. I love Marvel uh, Marvel cards. So. Those were great. So anyway, so this is just hilarity ensuing every second. So Enchanted underscore Eric, I do like the miniature ping pong table for dollhouses. They all get into dollhouse collecting at some point in time. But for not even, not even for the ROM hack, for a YouTube link trying to... Trying to uh, get that off. Oh, Jesus Christ. Trying to pawn that off on someone, which is ridiculous. I mean, you, I, unless I, unless they are themselves playing it. That, that might be funny. Like, here's my link to it. You know, but I don't think that's happening. So, anyway. Any other words here? I want to play this ROM now. Maybe we'll play it on, on a certain NES charity marathon in the future. Um, I don't know. Maybe we should get into making gold end of UC cards. We should, because it's, 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 it's a, totally it's, ethical and fine. It's a victimless, victimless crime, though. Yeah, it's victimless. Okay, what's going on here, Ian? Uh, I don't know, some stuff. Dollar Shave Club, Ian. Oh, Dollar Shave Club. You know what, Ian? You like to shave her once a, once a year. I miss the Amish Ian days. Well, um, we're, we're getting there. I'm going to shave again, but you know what you want to shave with? Dollar Shave Club. It's yeah. a high-quality razor at an affordable price. I have the Executive. It's four blades. comes with six cartridges. It's a dollar. A dollar with free shipping. No commitment. You can cancel any time. And those six shavers can last you a decent amount of time, depending on how often you want to, you know, want to replace those blades. There's there's the humble twin with two blades. Anyway, you go to uh, dollarshaveclub.com slash cu podcast, and you should go there just because you might shave again someday. Someday, but you know, there's other body parts besides your face to shave. You yeah, that unibrow. Sometimes your ears get hairy. Got pits and, and, and legs and arms? Are you, are you, a, sh- are you a swimmer? You got to shave with Dollar Shave Club. I, I use electric razors for those parts. Oh, do you really? Yeah. More information I want to know. You <laughs> brought it up! You brought it up! Dollar Shave Club's going to love this uh, read. Yeah, they got the executive. It's a buck. The 4X, which I believe has a... Which one's the executive? The executive has it's six blade cartridges a month, and you get four stainless steel blades on one of those. The 4X... Oh, okay. the four X, is um is also has four blades and the humble twin. I think four blades is overkill. Just give me two. That's there. See, two. I'm, a, I'm a twin. I'm you a twin man. Two's good enough for you. I'm a, I'm a twin man. Yep, always so, have been. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash cu podcast. Start with any razor for a dollar. No hidden fees. Cancel at any time. No commitment. Free shipping. Tell them Pat and Ian sent you. Well, there's no one to tell you. You'll be screaming at your web browser. Loot crate, Ian. Full we- of stuff. The Packed loot- full of jams. W- uh, yeah. 
but I, it, not jellies. It's lootcrate.com slash Pat. Use code Pat to get 10% off any new subscription. You have four days to get the August Loot Crate theme, which is Kingdom. Kingdom. You're going to get Legend of Zelda, Adventure Time, and Lord of Those Rings. Yeah. Ooh. That's right. And one lucky subscriber will also win a Mega Crate. A Mega Crate, which is like as big as like a fucking Mega Crate, I guess. How big is a Mega Crate supposed to be? Eh, probably about yay. Bigger than a bread basket? Yeah, bigger than a bread basket, but smaller. I'm going to get the one from last month while you shill. Go. Uh, bigger than a bread basket, but maybe maybe smaller than your game room. Maybe. Maybe. That hums. But, 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 but that's a good one. Zelda and Adventure Time? This is the one from last month. You have a... Uh, what shirt is that, Ian? What is that? I, I don't know. You gotta shake it out. It looks like a tank. I'm it's shaking stuck. It. What is it? Oh, it's the Ninja Turtles and the Turtle Van. Oh, that's fucking sweet. You have a Bob's Burger book from last month. That that's, looks like a... Is that a book? Yeah, it's a book. It looks like a book. A Futurama cozy, cozy, cozy. Oh, yeah. Can I have that, please? No. Please? Maybe one. There's two of them there. And then... Oh, you get a Rick and Morty figure. Nice. That's Rick, right? I don't know. Did you see... Uh, pick the, okay, then you didn't. I've you never know. watched the show. Oh. I, uh, it's escaped me. P- Pickle, Pickle Rick was a really good episode. I heard of Pickle Rick. He's like a commando or something? Is it, he's a murdering pickle? It just, it just... Yeah, it just came out. Seems like a fun show. But anyway, go to lootcrate.com slash Pat and enter code Pat to save 10%. And and get, you have your, until, get your crate of stuff. And you have until the 19th to get your geek stuff. After that, you're going to wait till the next month, which I don't know what the theme is. I, I'm going to guess the theme's going to be, I don't know, um, Deja Vu. The theme next week's month is going to be maybe Deja Vu. That's what it's going to be. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a return of all your favorite stuff. <laughs> all right. This is, uh, this is a follow-up. Ian, you were out for like five months. I was lonely during those times. Back in December, it was about. I covered... Did you have blue balls? I blue I'd Ian balls. Yes, I Ian, Ian blue balls. Ian balls. Uh, nice crunchy Ian balls. Crunchy. Um, I covered an it extra was a, large almond. It wasn't really an Indiegogo uh, of the Retro Engine Sigma mini video game console. Um, uh, it was a some sort of pie, raspberry, orange. I don't know. There's Yo, this thing pies. looks like hell. It was an orange pie. It doesn't work. Uh, the immortal John Hancock did a video review of it. It looks like total shit. Can you let me like actually explain it before you just editorialize? I just wanted to get that up. Okay. So it's it looked like a silver Sega Genesis, a mini Sega Genesis. Okay. Yeah. As seen on v- Venture Beat, Nintendo Life, Gizmodo, Kotaku, everyone covers these. Hey, can you people stop covering these bullshit fucking repackaged fucking retro pie and Cody fucking devices? It's dumb. You make yourselves look fucking stupid. They never work as they're supposed to out of the box. They're cheap. They're junk. You think every single one is the fucking next messiah. Anyway, so this raised a lot of money. Yeah. This raised... Because you idiots keep fucking covering them. That's <laughs> $626,892. Off the back of fucking idiots who are susceptible to fucking advertising and websites. <laughs> well, they need, they, need, they need stories, Ian. They have, they have the deadline to meet. They have to have 20 stories you know, every day, these writers. Hey, for... it looks like a little Genesis and it's silver. <laughs> it's cool. Buy it. 
It's going to play all your old retro video games. Well, at the time, I said, this is no big deal because this is something you can just get off the shelf. As You, know, you can buy your own retro... RetroPie itself, the one that was that's branded with the little NES case, what is that only like forty bucks by I itself? I don't know, but it uses, bucks? but at least the, that one uses a Raspberry Pi, which is reliable. No, do these and heavily supported? This uses an Orange Pi, which is a fucking knockoff. It's oh, not even a it's not even a real Raspberry Pi. No, no, it's an Orange Pi. They couldn't afford the ra- the Raspberry variety of the pie. And, and is there a lemon pie? And and, and, and and it unlike the retro pie, you, you basically have to set this up yourself. You watch the 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 the, the John Hancock video. I watched some of it. Handsome man. It it he's a very handsome man. God, he's handsome. But it took him ten hours to get everything installed, just to have it crash on him. <laughs> this happened to everyone. I mean, a lot of people. Some people still haven't gotten theirs, and they backed him in. Fucking back in the BC. Before Ian back on the podcast, is that BC? Does yeah. that work out? By the way, I'm really angry today. Let's go to the. I'm sure the feedback for the retro uh, engine. Uh, by the way, how much was this again on the on the Indiegogo? Too fucking much. Well, the in demand one that you can still buy, the the one they made it look like. Well, I guess it's supposed to be somewhat of a twenty hundred. It looks like a, the radiator from a seventy two Buick Oldsmobile. Uh, like knockoff. It's seventy nine dollars plus shipping U.S. for this. Oh my thing. God! Come in your own mouth. <laughs> that includes the retro engine, Sigma, an AC, a dual stick analog controller, a pre-installed thirty two gigabyte micro SD card, which we we'll get to later. Which I believe has to be the card you use on the system. It from what from the feedback I was looking at, you can't use your own prefab one. With, say you had, oh, I'll just take it from my Raspberry Pi and throw. No, you can't. You you well, a lot of these things you have to use. A lot of these things you have to right. use what's actually in there for like your your BIOS. But and and with this one, I mean, to give it a fucking positive spin, you can use a micro SD USB adapter to add additional memory Whoa! for the games you can't fucking play. <laughs> Let's look at some of the comments on the Facebook page of the Retro. I'm sure it's all positive. I'm sure it is. Their last update, by the way, was July 12th when they when the first units, I guess, started to go out. Um, I'm still waiting on mine on July 29th. Ship from Tonga? Really? Why is that? I thought that was funny. That yeah, one. I thought that one was good. Um, a lot of people can't get video on their screen because it's particularly sensitive to the video mode you send it to, set it to. Um, after 10 hours of installation, like our... Uh, I'm I'm just gonna call him our pal John Hancock, even though I've never met him or talked to him. But, so, but you did a you did an interview with him. I uh, did the not so common podcast. Thanks for the yeah. semi plug in. You're welcome. Uh, watch that podcast. Um, a lot of people have had that problem where they get through the installation <clears> and it <throat> just hangs. And they liked they said constantly that it was a custom board. Yet when you finally install everything, it just says retro orange pie. Like oh. it's just like no it's off the off the off the shelf. It's off the shelf. It's an off the shelf board that they maybe they came up with their own little silver fucking mini Genesis little shell to put it in. Well. Yeah, but yeah. that's not a custom board. I know. I'm just saying, but that makes it customizable until you crack it open with a fucking uh, hammer. Um, Deli wraps. Some that. users are having Deli issues. wraps. On the Indiegogo page, some users are having issues. Check out the Indiegogo page while I look at these. On the oh, Indiegogo page, Believe some me. users are having issues with the Wi-Fi connecting. Next person. Got mine, but the video do- doesn't work. Customer service has been non-existent. Not pleased at all. 
will probably file a dispute with my credit card company to get my money back. Hey, Pat, did you read about the fact that you have to use your iPhone and connect the uh, retro engine uh, Wi-Fi through your iPhone? Through your smartphone you have to do it? Yep, can't do it through your router. Gotta do it through your smartphone. That's strange. It's extraordinarily strange. It's the, almost that, like they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. But, and they just stole software and repackaged it. And sold it. Well, potentially. Allegedly. Um. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> definitely. Nope, definitely. RetroPie and Cody are freeware software, and they took it and just repackaged it and sold it. I, another, I received mine when no video gets displayed on my TV. They, they, they redirected to the Retro Engine website. You need to make sure the memory card is inserted into the unit. It might have come dislodged or even fell out during air transport. Or maybe you just suck at manufacturing and packaging. Uh, uh, it's almost saying you just need to get to your Wi-Fi via your phone, which took minutes. Works great. Comes with some games pre-installed. Overall, very happy. 15. Off to look for ROMs. 15 fake games, probably, like, yawning Triceratops. <laughs> That's a real game. You don't even try Triceratops. It's on, it's on the Genesis at games. Um, anyone want one in the UK? I'm selling mine all set up. All emulators download. That's all. That's illegal to advertise, buddy. <laughs> well, that's someone just not disappointed with that. No, I know. Do we know yet how to add PSX BIOS to be able to play PlayStation games? Well, they couldn't tell you that. Um, people can't get theirs. Bastards, you, your piece of shit systems don't work. Give us all refunds. Oh, that that was the guy who typed in all caps? He types in all caps further down again, too. <laughs> Fucking thieves! Yes, <laughs> We've been robbed! Emojis of smiling face, face on the side smiling, in tears coming out smiling, laughing. Hey, maybe you should stop uh, fucking buying all of these answers to all your retro game dreams that all the fucking websites cover and all you fucking assholes keep buying. Can we have a, 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 a fucking moratorium? That's the word. Yeah, a moratorium on, on fucking magic consoles. <laughs> magic box consoles. That are going to do... Dreamcade! Retrovision Sync, Atari Box, ColecoVision, Chameleon, Coleco Chameleons. Uh, can what we, else is out can there? We just fucking stop on these just for. Give me six months to catch my breath. Six months. And then we'll launch the CU console. The CU the podcast. Completely unnecessary console. The CU podcast Retrocade Chameleon no, Engine. The, just the completely unnecessary console. The completely unnecessary console? Because if me and Ian do it. We well, can sell just as many. What we're gonna by, do by by taking the same open source emulators, getting the same Raspberry Pi boards, and throwing it into a fucking plastic box. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna get a Raspberry Pi board. Okay. Okay. We're gonna put Retro Pi on it. We're gonna stick it in a novelty dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With two USB ports. Yeah. Either or maybe yeah. four. And we're gonna ship it because they're going out of business. We're going to scour the flea markets and ship it with two used, uncleaned Mad Cats controllers. <laughs> That's going to be the completely unnecessary console of any of any type of type of console. You know what the controllers will come from, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And, and for the extra early bird, you get a free cockroach inserted inside. <laughs> and if you're extra early bird, uh. We'll grab a bottle of nail polish and, like, give it a little, you know, special edition coloring. Just stop covering these. 
Please. Gizmodo, Kotaku, whatever the fuck, oh my god, Ubuntu is. 925 Toys, Beta News, The Awesomer, Slash Gear, Tom's Guy, Tech Briefing. You've seen 30 of these by now. Look, 30 of them. If it's a slow news day, I'd, I'd, I'd rather it. I don't know. They're not special anymore. It's over. They've, they've been out for like eight years. Yeah. Christ. Talk about how useless they are. Talk about how it's the same as the other 13 you've covered the past two years. And how they've failed miserably <laughs> and have never delivered. All right. Whew. All right. Great. Oh, good. This is going to go just as well. <laughs> From the San Francisco Chronicle, six charged of making fake Pac-Man games in Santa Clara. A Milpitas family and three people who worked with them at a Santa Clara manufacturer of arcade games were charged with forging Pac-Man machines, officials said Thursday. A woman, her son, and her ex-husband, who together owned and operated the company called Coin Op Store. Check the website. I think it's still online. Yeah, it is, but they're very vague. Are accused of forging for a profit machines that played classics such as Galaga, Tank Battalion, and five different versions of Pac Man. Chun Chu Chang, 61, Kingsley Stewart Chang, Bruce Michael Burton, and a few others. Collectively, the six are charged with 14 counts of fen- fen- felony counterfeiting, prosecutor said. Officials said that the proceeds from the sales of the machines may be seized, including $1.2 million in cash, a 2012 Mercedes Benz, a 2015 BMW, and five. Five properties. So, I don't want to accidentally get the name of this wrong. Um, we have a article here that does, I believe, show the right name. Oh, Multicade. So, it is Multicade. Um, Multicade, you've probably seen these before. They usually have uh, 60 and 1 seems to be the cheapest and the one that you see the most often. Uh, I believe they can have up to like 300 games in them. But they have like, they have a number of Namco games. Then they usually have some off, uh, like like not so common games like Crush Roller ripoffs or whatever. And, uh, you know, maybe like a Donkey Kong called like Donkey King. Um, but then they'll have like a Galaga and they'll call it Galaga or Pac-Man, but they'll change the color palettes around, um, to try to get around like copyright to try to, to try to make it like some sort of clone, but it's not a clone. But it's not just... a clone. It's the actual game. Okay. They just like kind of change like it's the like, color it's, palettes. It's, 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 it's the biggest change is Crazy Kong was. They still stole Nintendo's game. Right. They just altered it Exactly. And, you know, you'll see these at bars, you know, and they'll usually have a couple of official games like, you know, next to it. But then they'll throw one of these in the middle because it's cheap and it has a bunch of stuff on it. And um, they're awful. And I never play them because it's obvious they're, they're bootleg. And most people stay away from them. I don't think they make a lot of money anymore because people realize that they're just playing some sort of bootleg trash. I don't know. I mean, maybe a bar owner can chime in and say, and I'm not necessarily judging the bar owner because maybe they never knew what they were getting into, but I'm glad that these people are finally getting hit with this bullshit because it's just blatant piracy and... uh I mean, the fact that they try to run this as legitimate business is ridiculous. Yeah, it's coinopstore.com. And on that website, they're selling uh, vertical and horizontal jam arcades uh, stand-ups that they're not marked 
But yes, there is then the multi-cade you can get there for, okay. for $1,600. That's it, the one it, I've seen the most frequently. Okay. With a wood grain one? Yeah. They also sell the Dream Team basketball game you know, with the basketball redemption thing. They have a pool table. And they have some LED upright games as well as uh, a, a cocktail one. So let's click on the classic stand-up arcade. Let's see what it says, unless they took it down already because, you know, they're getting, uh, you know, come after them. As far as I could tell earlier, they've completely changed the wording on it. They've changed the wording by now? Uh, yeah, I don't think it says anything about included Does games. it say about games that are included? So the, the the funny part about this, or the reason why this could have got more light, is because according to, to uh, uh, the Kotaku article... Uh, Namco Bandai uh, is located in the same city. They're also in Santa Clara. Yeah. I'm not sure if that has anything to do with it directly, but maybe it's like, oh, look at those assholes down the street. Look what they're doing. Yeah. They didn't didn't get the license for for the Pac-Man game or Galaga. Fuck them in the ear. So they're not, I guess the the San Francisco Chronicle article has them saying they're fake Pac-Man games. It really should be them going after that they haven't licensed the games that they're including in these multi-cases. That's more accurate. Yeah. It's not they're making a Pac-Man stand-up arcade machine. They're making they're making generic games, like multi-cases that include these games, and now they're getting taken down a pick. Yep. Because I guess you can go the route from other companies and actually get them licensed. You can license the packs of games out and make it totally legit, and I guess they didn't. Yeah, and like I said, I've, I've seen Allegedly... Them. I won't say where, but I've actually seen them at bars in San Diego, bars that I like. And the colors are just all wrong. You know, they're like pale greens and like gross colors. And They're thinking that's going to be enough to slide by. Right. And I mean, they play just like the originals. It's just everything is off about the palettes and stuff like that. All right. Well, this will be interesting because if this goes through, you're going to have other companies make sure they, they you know, cross their T's, dot their I's when they're making similar machines and make sure their games are licensed entirely and not using maybe even, you know, copyrighted like material, like artwork and things like that nature, make them totally generic to begin with and making sure that you know, obviously the games uh, are licensed from, uh, you know, these the actual companies that own the, the copyrights. Right. All right, Ian, this could be the best or the worst uh, thing ever coming. I think it might be the, I mean, I don't, it could be in between. Could be in between. Could I mean, be could be Action Park esque. Basically, <laughs> you've heard about Action Park in New Jersey, the, yeah. the horror tales. Yes. Which I think they brought that back. It was closed for like fifteen years. They brought it back. So, anyways, uh, the, I mean the the title is fucking clickbait, but it says Super Mario Kart Racetrack is coming to Niagara Falls. Um, Canadian side of the falls, by the way. The U.S. side of the Niagara Falls is a place you would never want to walk barefoot because you might get a crack vial. Uh, in your 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 skin, um, unless you want that sort of thing. Well, you know, some people have interesting fetishes, um, but they are building a Mario Kart esque racetrack, and um, so Hoko Limited, uh, a tourism and resort company, is making one, and they're almost finished with it, and uh, it's called Niagara Speedway. Uh, it's first of its kind and largest in North America. It has a four-story corkscrew. Now, this is for go-karts. Four-story corkscrew, multiple elevated coaster sections, and uh, it's uh, expected to start testing uh, this fall and open next year. So this thing's like 50 feet above ground parts of this. Yeah, it's insane looking. And um, along with the racetrack, there's some uh, whatever. So that doesn't matter. Um, It's interesting because... It does literally look like a Mario Kart Course. track, yeah. um, honestly. And 
it it does probably take some inspiration from Mario Kart. When you look at most go-kart tracks, you you have two types. You have the more serious ones that are the um, speedier ones where you kind of have to have, like, uh, I don't know if you have to have a license, but you have to take, like, a test lap and pass, like, a, a brief. Okay. There's one in San Diego, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like, a, it's like an oval course, and you have to pass, um, like, a, like, a brief test, you know, to be able to go out, and then you get to go out and do your, your race. And then, uh, and they're speedier, and then you have your normal go-karts. And some of those are just, like, flat, you know, figure eights, or you might get, like, a slight raise mm-hmm. and a bridge or whatever. Um, I've never seen anything this complex and interesting before. Yeah, um, they, obviously, they gotta get, they gotta get permits for this. It has to be, make sure this is safe. It, I, I don't I would, I would try it if I knew this was safe. The guardrails on some of this, though, are just look like singular metal, like the metal ropes, like it looks like, you know, that, yeah. like much thinner than that you would see at, right. at the zoo, keeping lines back from you, and then little rub- rubber tires. So someone could potentially die on this ride, which I guess is part of the fun. Well, this is like 30 minutes away from my, 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 my home in my hometown of Buffalo, and I mean, just now today, I'm not really afraid of dying. So if if it was open today and I was home, I would totally go ride on this. I mean, it looks like a shitload of fun. Yeah. It, and we're only looking at pictures of a, from what the... I, I'm looking at the picture. There's a one picture of the entire track. Well, no, no. These are photos of the one, if you look at the article, these are photos of the one in Branson, Missouri. Oh, so this one already exists. But this oh. the the one they're building in Niagara Falls, Canada, it's gonna be is bigger. going to be bigger and more oh. complex. Oh, okay. Because the one in Branson looks like <laughs> Look, that would be good already enough. looks crazy. The one in Branson is. has has yeah, it has a a four story, like you said, corkscrew ramp up to the top, and the Niagara Falls down, one will too. But they it comes back they're around, not, and goes they're back not up. showing any because all of these have pictures of riders on them, which I guess could be CG. But it says somewhere well, it's the Branson one. You're right. Yeah, it says it's, it's similar to this one in Branson, Missouri. All right. So then this isn't as big a deal as I thought. I didn't know any of this existed. I guess we're going to Branson, and before that, we're going to see Yakov Smirnoff. So that's when where he operates his theater at. I'm not making that up. My mom saw Yakov Smirnoff in Branson, Missouri. Wow. It's like a big tourist trap. Boy. Boy. In Mario Kart in, in, in Russia, track races you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. I was trying to think of something like that, and you got it before me. Uh, I'm clever. Is not, it? not that was hard. Ian. Yeah. That's it, fruit. Oh, God. It, it, it could be the greatest invention ever. It could be. It could be at this point. <laughs> and we're not, look. People, look, look, look. Listen. We're not. Um, listen, listen, this is barely an advertisement. Because um, I really like this. This is officially an, an endorsement at this point. I think it's an endorsement. Would they ask for money for an endorsement? I don't know how that works. I don't know. Please, please. I, you know what? I just want more bars. Um, <laughs> so here's a fun story, and this is a true, uh, true story. Um, I thought I was out of bars. What? What is that's it fruity in? Okay, that's it fruit. Is that's it? It's it's fruit. It's a fruit bar. It's a fruit bar. A hundred percent fruit. No additives. No preservatives. It's just fruit. 
They have like apple pineapple. Uh, apple, it always starts with an apple. A- apple binds it together. That's fiber, I'm guessing. Yeah. It's, so you got like apple cherry, apple strawberry. Strawberries are a great apple, one. M- apple mango. Mango's good. Apple blueberry. Yeah. Um, I know all of them. Because you've eaten oh, apple all. pineapple. Apple pineapple. Because I will eat every single one of them. Um, I I ran out. Of, I I've always eaten them because, uh, like I said, uh, it's I a, think the last time, Vonnie used to always get them for me in these little Starbucks lunch bags. Uh huh. I, I, we're not advertising Starbucks, whatever. Um, <laughs> and um, when we got uh, our original boxes uh, for 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 this promo, I squealed. Because I, I like this. So we went through them very quickly. I, I gave some to my friends, like I think I said in the last, uh, you know, um, segment uh, about these, uh, you know, uh, pregnant and uh, whatever. And I was like, here's some healthy stuff. And then I, I kind of regretted it because, you know, all of a sudden half my bars were gone. Mm-hmm. And um, the other day I, I, I really wanted some. And uh, I was like, oh, shit, I'm out. And I was at work the other day, and I was like, I'm hungry. i got to have something in this backpack of mine, because my backpack is huge and full of shit. And I was rummaging through it, and at the bottom, I found four. I found four That's It fruits remaining. Four? It was like, like gold. It was like digging up a fucking... It's like finding a $100 bill. Look, they're 100 calories, and they literally have nothing but fruit in them. It's like an apple and 10 strawberries. It's a real serving of fruit. Pat didn't believe me that they actually were just fruit. He, like, argued me on it like there had to be something else in them. How are they moist and in a bar shape without something else in there? They're delicious. Um, How? Every flavor is good. Don't lie, don't lie to me that's it, fruit. Don't, don't, make me fu- <laughs> don't make me go down to your headquarters and put on a hard hat and take a tour of the... <laughs> Tour the factory uh, to make sure. A, a face mask. And, yeah. And, and, you know, not breathe I'll, on I'll, I'll work the assembly line. I'll investigate yeah. this. Yeah, I'll go all the way through and make sure that that's it. I'll put out a video. Uh, <laughs> I'll put out a video. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll even not do it in vertical mode. I'll do it in landscape mode. Don't mess with me, that's it, fruit. I, we were on a limb now. Vonnie doesn't even... Vonnie likes pineapple flavoring, but she doesn't even like actual... But she doesn't like pi- actual pineapple fruit. And that was, like, one of her favorites. So, anyways... Allergen-free, vegan, gluten-free, low calories, non-GMO, no added sugar. It's a real serving of fruit and 100 calories, and it's fucking delicious. Before this gets sexual, we'll just end it. But, it's kosher. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean... Um, that's it. Before, that's it, fruit. That's it. Before uh, we get... Hot and bothered. Don't make me a man. Don't make a mani- maniac out of me. Nope. That's it, fruit. I, I, I'm trusting you on this. That's it, fruit. Oh, use code CU podcast at that's it, fruit.com and save 10%. Yeah, get some. Show them that we're either prove us wrong or right by going to that's it, fruit.com and ordering with code CU podcast. Make us the best that's it, fruit uh, uh, sponsors, uh, uh, advertisers. I, I don't know. Whatever it is, I don't know. If, I don't know if I can handle this anymore. It's too much. That's it, fruit for me. It's, I don't. I'm barely. I'm barely wrapping my head around this concept. Still, send me more. That's it, fruit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ian. It's so easy. Ian. Anyways. <laughs>
Ian, yes. it's, it's, been a, it's been an interesting week in the world of uh, crowdfunding for controllers. There's two we're going to talk about real quick. We're going to bundle this. This is a bundle topic. topic. The first one is the all-controller uh, for PC. It's a I, Kickstarter. It's already well-funded. It's from uh, Digital Depth, Inc. Uh, it's got 1,500 backers. It, it just went up while I'm talking about it. 30 days to go. It's a USB controller that touts playing any game in the universe. And it has, you know, it looks like your typical, whatever, 70th generation video game controllers that we're in. You got your, your, your crosshair. You got you got four triggers. You got four face buttons. You and also you got two analogs uh, in the front. You got triggers on the back, too. Triggers on the back, too. And what's interesting about this, which I think is what the draw is, because there's been a ton of similar style controllers you can get for the sure. PC. It's got an LCD panel on the front. Sure. And what I think is interesting about it is it allows you to set up um, customizable um, profiles for different games. Um, what's interesting is that it has its own internal software for setting up these profiles. Um and for customizing. For customizing. For me, this is interesting because as a PC gamer who plays a lot of um, older titles or, or more obscure titles like, like uh, you know, Japanese shoot-em-ups or things like that, um, or point-and-click adventures, I want to be able to use a controller. And um, using something like Joy2Key to constantly... Which is a software Yeah, Joy2Key is a software, is a free that, software that program. That maps keyboard keys to your USB controller. Right, and you can map you know, mouse to joysticks and stuff like that. It's kind of a pain in the ass to use. Um, the interface on this, at least as the video shows, um, looks very intuitive, and I like that aspect of it. And I don't think the price point is too bad. The early bird one, which is all gone for the, let's see, the well, the wired one is 55 Canadian, which is 44 US for the wired one. And then for the wireless, it's a little bit pricier. It's 64 It's about $20 more for the wireless Bluetooth one. It's, it's, it's USB, USB wired, says wireless, and Bluetooth drivers. And, okay. So, so Bluetooth. if you compare that to modern con- modern console controllers, that's not bad. It's in the ballpark. And it does have um, some console support. So I think this is very interesting for me because a lot of, you know, if I use like a, um, I don't know, like a generic PC controller, all of a sudden I might switch from playing something that naturally, you know, um, fits my controller I might switch to a shooter where all of a sudden, you know, nothing is working right. It's not recognizing it. Um, Two other pieces that are interesting. The built-in has supposedly a built-in keyboard mouse driver. Right. Which means that I'd be able to play freaking Warcraft 2 using this controller. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's that's, that's pretty pretty impressive. That's what I'm kind of getting at. I I could also use it to play like a... Like a point-and-click adventure, and then you can then easily inside map the keys to the controller. If you're doing like a yeah, exactly, point-and-click adventure or a first-person shooter, you can then do that. I think that's what it, this really comes down to me is that they're taking ideas that are out there and combining them. So yeah, you can create macros and stuff with with a lot of joysticks that you can buy right now, but you have to use the software. 
right. that's either included, that could be wonky, who knows, or download your own. Um, you know, stuff like this, like a, a, adjusting the dead zone and the joystick sensitivity. This isn't new stuff, but having it built into the joystick LCD just makes it probably a hell of a lot easier to get up and going. Right, because you don't need outside software. Yeah. It's all internal. It's updatable. I think even the, even the trigger sensitivity you can even do. Yeah. That's so pretty cool. This is all very cool to me. My two major concerns are this. One related to the controller. One related to the Kickstarter. Um, and like I said, I am fairly interested in this controller. But um, one is obviously... This being a new controller from a new company, I need to know what kind of quality we're going to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And two, while the stretch goals are cute and stretch goals are always a bonus, mm -hmm. I don't feel like the stretch goals necessarily meet what is required monetarily for what you're getting out of them. Are you saying you don't need an extra 700,000 to increase the memory on the controller zine? Yeah, I mean that's kind of what I'm saying. It's yeah, a bigger battery, a bigger battery at 2 and a half million dollars. I mean, so, I re I realize that these are bonus things, yeah. but most stretch goals tend to reflect the amount of money necessary for or at least those those things. Or being the sort of like a the realm of possibility where it's like, okay, this is obviously right. they want more of incentive to, to do it, but that just seems like they could have lowered those to something that might've been to me a little more effective, but who knows? It's already off to a great start. It is. Um, so it's, I mean, it, it might, it might hit a million who the hell knows. You know, I, we're giving free advertising. I'm, now, I, so I'm, I'm actually interested in this, but I, that that's my big concern is I don't think, I don't think this company has released any other controller before, so it's it's going to be the build quality that really um, that I I, I want to see. Um, you know, I think the the one stretch goal that really do, would require some money play any game in the universe. It says on their site. Okay, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure I can play uh, Mahjong on the table right now. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if that's telekinesis. Okay, that's... I mean, obviously, that's hyperbole. But yeah. honestly, if you can map keyboard and mouse controls to it... That'll get you far. It it, it can get you very far. But, yeah. Um, it says Wii U, Wii, and Switch coming soon? Will you be able to get this on the Switch? I do have concerns about that, just because there are ways for... Look, I, th I think... I think people have to be a little pragmatic about this, uh, maybe a little skeptical. I, you have to look at this as a PC controller. You cannot look at this in the modern console generate in the modern console world as a console controller. You can't um, because there's always ways to block third-party controllers. Oh yeah. So if they really don't want if Nintendo doesn't want them getting in there and screwing around with their stuff. Then they can block it. Yeah. They can as a out. PC controller, I'm I'm interested. Go into it as that, and then if the other stuff is more compatible, yep. then bonus, yep. right? Go, in, go into this looking okay. as a very interesting PC controller, great. Don't go into this looking at it as a, um, well, unfortunately, don't go into it looking as looking at it as an all controller. Go into it looking at it as a, at it as a PC controller with a with a lot of functionality. So there's another Kickstarter currently going on. 
It's the next gen N64 controller Retro Fighters. And holy controller. shit, did it take fucking long enough for someone to come up with this idea? So it's already reached the goal. It's 114,000 of 13,000 goal, 3,800 backers, 23 days to go. What exactly is this? So you got your N64 controller with a slightly um, different layout here. Um, so traditionally on your N64 controller, you would have your your stick lower than the, the D-pad. The D-pad would be uh, top left. They've switched it. Well, they've changed the layout entirely. It's not a tri-handle controller. It's a sure. two-handle controller. That's it looks like a traditional controller. Traditional controller. It looks like the, the C buttons are a little bit larger. Um, it looks like they added, uh, let's see, dual Z triggers to back of controller. Mm-hmm. So there you go, instead of the one. And so you can use whatever's comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. The analog Turbo stick is, is to the left, uh, like a like a normal analog. Um, your D-pad is down towards the bottom. It looks more... Uh, it's, you know, it's interesting. It Well, it's a traditional controller for a system that never had a, a real traditional controller. Sure. My concern, and I think that's going to... It'll sell. I mean, it's, I, it's selling, and My, that's going to sell. I, I just, I just personally don't see the large appeal for what is really looks like marketing as it's called retro fighters, a fighting controller on a system that wasn't known for fighting games. I think the name is because it's I designed think, like a fighting game controller. Well, I think the name is a bad choice. It doesn't matter. It hit its goal. It's not a bad choice. It yeah, hit its goal. Well, but I'm just saying. It's no, sort but of, I, I'm just saying. I think. I think. Maybe you're looking at it wrong because of the name. You're going into it with preconceived notions. I, I think this is fantastic no matter what. Well, it's good I, to have a different option because there are those now third-party N64 controllers that you can get for 14 15 bucks that look just like the original and function like the original. But they don't. Well, I mean, the Yobo, the Yobo 64 controller with the PS2 analog stick is, well, for as cheap as it is, it's my favorite. Well, my question on this is... What is this analog stick like? Well, no, and this is That's where I'm going to go. The just big like, question, just mark. like, uh, I, and like I said, I'm not, I'm not going to take, I, I'm not going to have the same concern with the all controller, and not have the same concern with the retro fighters. My concern, once again, is this is still a third party controller, and it's all going to come down to its functionality and how well. It handles how mm-hmm. well it feels and how well it controls. I think the layout looks great, and I think a lot of N64 enthusiasts are going to love finally having... This would be more for me for playing like a, a 3D platformer or playing a Zelda game, maybe. You know. I, I think this is going to be great for playing uh, not, any, anything. Not honestly. anything, because oh. putting the, the stick on the left means your first-person shooter experience is out. For a game like GoldenEye, where most people use the use the analog as a mouse on the right, and then use the left as traditionally on a keyboard to go up and back and strafe. Uh, see, I never, but I'm a lefty, so I guess I never. But did that's that. how most okay. play it. All right. Um, so that's where the the really weird uh, tri wing design actually works on the N64 for games like that, where you can switch basically two different handles. Well, so, that, that's but, fair enough, but I mean, there but, is room for a, a controller. Like there this. is, but what I'm what I'm saying is that analog better be nice and and have the same sort of feel to it. I don't, and that's where I think the jury is going to be out on that because just from the looks at it, it doesn't look like the same sort of analog stick. 
It looks like something closer to a GameCube, just the way in how it's fatter and how it looks like it's stubbier. Yeah, but that I think that's nothing but good. I think if there was one problem with the N64 original stick, it was that it was um, too tall, too small, it's way too easy to blow out, and it was slippery. It was easy for your thumb to slip off of that N64 stick. But I think the true test for both of these controllers is simply going to be how reliable they are and how effective they are, since we don't really know anything about the manufacturing process. No, but I, I did see, I'm trying to remember what I said, I did see some of the question, the way the N64 analog is in terms of the shape, and how that shape was very particular to that analog, and how the stick was thrown in. And how this could feel different on this analog. That's what I'm saying. That's my big question to this. Is that sure? If you never, if you if you got this literally for the the, I'm trying to think. What Killer Instinct Gold? What other fighting games are on that system that aren't in a system that you can play? This um, would be great uh, for Mario Kart, though. This would be great for snowboard kids. This would be great for any. You number. need analog for Mario Kart. If that analog does not feel right, toss it. Right, but what I'm saying is, is as as. As a person who who manages Luna Video Games, I've two sold... locations San Diego. Yep, two locations San Diego. Come by, say hi. Um, <laughs> as a person who has converted so many people over to the Yobo controllers mm-hmm. that use an analog stick, circular, just like this, it hasn't affected many people's okay. play styles. Okay. So I think I think I I, I'm, I I guess that's the the standpoint I'm coming from. This particularity to this fucking I, shitty, slippery... It's it, not slippery. It was grease and Cheetos on your on your thumb. Not much. That stick is shit. I can't remember how many times my thumb actually slipped off it. I'm being totally honest. It's I'm not a garbage trying, stick. I'm not be, trying to be contrarian. I don't, honestly don't know, remember me playing GoldenEye and my finger slipping off... Off, off the top of the joystick. All right, I just don't. But it's I just, just uncomfortable and garbage. I'm, I'm just, I'm just thinking this is going to be one of those controllers that you're, you're. This isn't going to be your one-stop shop controller for N64. I don't think it's going to replace the other layout. This is going to be a specialized controller for specialized games, and you're going to go back to your other one and play certain games. That's just my, that's just my guts telling me that. But of course, I got to use it first. But you know what, my guts is. telling me. Neither of us really like the N64, so it doesn't really fucking matter. We don't hate anyway. the N64. It's just oh, we don't. I don't hate the N64. I got uh, some I, I'm pretty sure you've said some things more negative about it than that in the past. Yeah, it was probably during the, the marathon where I, you know, I was half asleep. All right. Anyways, it's time for a Q&A. Uh, is it really? Yeah. All right. Q&A time on the CU Podcast. We'll do two, then we'll do our Patreon Q&A segment. This is at anti Solus. What would buying games look like if GameStop went under? Um, under where? Underground? No. <laughs> like I, the French Resistance? No. Went under as in fucking <laughs> oh, bottomed oh, okay. out and closed out. They're not going to start machine gunning people. Um, I think it's. I think that answer is pretty easy. I, I, I think you are looking at what a lot of people are doing now, which is um, Amazon. You know, Amazon Prime, where you get the the discounts early. I think you would you would get a lot of people pre-ordering or ordering off of Amazon. Um, doing eBay buying uh, for order, older stuff. I think you would see a resurgence of mom-and-pop shops. If GameStop went under, I think you would see distributors uh, more willing to cut deals because this would hurt distributors as well. Because they'd have to find a, 
different a- avenues for those ga- games. Yeah, distributors would absolutely be fucked. They would lose. Ga- I mean, if GameStop what, went I mean, under. think about all the GameStop stores. Yes, they can still do it to Best Buy and the big box stores, Target, Walmart. But that game, there's a lot but, of GameStop. You know, if you go walk into a, a a Best Buy or something like that, and you see how many copies of it, because Best Buy. If you've ever gone into a Best Buy where they don't have uh, copies of a game on a shelf, and you ask them, hey, do you have any in the back? The answer is almost no, always no. And they don't have many copies of a game on the shelf at any given time. So it's not like Best Buy is ordering a ton of copies. It's not like Target's ordering a ton of copies like GameStop does, where they just have you know a bunch of them in drawers or in the back. So if GameStop went under... These distributors are only selling minimal copies to the other chains. So they would have to suddenly become far more amicable with their independent resellers. So you would probably see a rise in independent game shops, but I think you would also see a much larger number of of, um, mail order sales. Um, From, from From where you think? From like places like PlayAsia? No, I think I think Amazon would become just one direct. Of the, I think I think Amazon well, would become one of the bigger they're, direct. They're gonna well, they're getting there though already. They but, are, but I think they would also place a much larger larger focus on making sure you got that game on release date. Okay, and I also think uh, based on top of that, you would see street date become looser so that. Amazon could send things out maybe a day earlier to account for delays so that everyone got things on street date, but if they got them before, oh well. Looser like that stanky leg stool? Like that stanky leg stool. Uh, When you say there'd be a a rise in independent game shops, you're talking about shops that would be catering more towards just new games? Yes. And you think it'd be viable? To get into that business, how, what would the margins have to look like on all the new games in order to make any sort of money on that? They'd have to look like, like probably twelve bucks. That's it, twelve to fifteen. You sure? And, and that's all you're carrying in the store. You think you can get away with? It? I'm, I'm thinking they had to be closer to twenty. They, no, they would have to be. No, you're right. Twelve um, is, is it, I've been taxes? drinking away the pain of today. I was going to say uh, it would. Ha- it would have to be like twenty. Yeah, it'd have to be like twenty. I, but would but would the distributor be able to make that deal? I think they. I would. I still wouldn't think there'd be enough leverage, uh, because like I said, because if GameStop went out of business tomorrow, tomorrow okay. Let, let's let's say, look at it. Let's look at it a different way. Okay. If, if if GameStop went out of business tomorrow, if someone and there was and there was a slight void, and there was a void. Um, People just go to the, the retail, GameStop, the, Target, and Walmart. The, the, the retail market wouldn't have a chance to um, adjust. They would probably try to, in that void, shift to um, Best Buy, Target, etc. Yeah. But what I think we'd end up seeing, you're right, maybe not independent game stores. What might happen is, because it could pop up quicker is we might end up seeing some sort of universal Steam-like service for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, etc. We might see it switch over to a PC-like structure. I think either of those are potential options. You're talking a unified store that would sell to you on all platforms at the same time? Yeah, and just give you a PS4, Xbox One, Switch option. 
Well, that means you, you, this. I mean, not not for built. every game. I'm not saying this every. Would, but this, I'm not saying every game would be universal. But but, that, would, but this infrastructure that would have to replace the, the PlayStation Store and the Microsoft Store and the, and the virtual shop and everything like that. Well, okay, you, you would shop. see more digital. Okay, you'd see I, a heavier focus on digital and maybe maybe even a drop in price. Well, Amazon's selling digital too. They're doing both. Yeah, that twenty percent off is both for physical and digital, the same exact price. I, I still think Amazon would probably become the go-to. All, all Amazon has to do the twenty percent off is is and I know Best Buy has their their, their sale too, but the twenty percent off ma- is making me look at buying games that that's a big discount for a brand new game. And it makes me I, look at purchasing a game through Amazon that maybe I wouldn't necessarily yeah. purchase outright. Yeah, you're, you're getting. I, I'll take a risk. Maybe you're getting twelve bucks off, and you're going to get it like in a day, and you have what the first week or two to decide. That's a big event, competitive advantage that mm-hmm. GameStop can't match, for example. Now, in terms of bundles, I think Amazon still has to do those bundle packages that, or those you know, buy it GameStop, pre-order it, and you unlock the shotgun that blows someone's face off. Power to the players. Like Amazon will probably, you know, like for example, when LA Noir came out, there was a Target pre-order special. Sure. There was a fucking Walmart one that got you different missions. There was a GameStop one, and there could have been a Toys R Us one. I've noticed that. that's. That's died off. That's died off because I was pissed about that. I wanted it. every mission in L.A. Noir, and I still haven't played them all back then. I have to piss like Clydesdale. Does that mean we're in this topic early? Yeah. This well, this I think we've said what we can about this topic. So okay, but like a Budweiser horse. Go piss. I, I gotta go. Go piss, Ian. We got a couple more to go. Yep. Ian's back from this, his little pee break. I think I churned up a dead goldfish from two tenants ago. <laughs> Did you find Jackson there? Uh, uh yeah. Woo wee. Ian asks. Ian asks. Uh, hi, Pat and Ian. Do you guys think replacing a dead battery in an old game cartridge affects its value? Love the show. It's interesting because I took this question differently than what you did. You took the question as, well, you have to because the dead battery could, could potentially affect the value of the game because it could damage it. So you should be replacing it. That's how I thought you were taking it. No, uh, not, not necessarily. Okay, then I'm an idiot. Oh, how I took it was people being concerned that because it wasn't the quote-unquote 100% like original um, hardware inside anymore, it would affect the value negatively having a new battery from the flea market versus the original one that was in my Legend of Zelda cart 30 years ago. So from that perspective, um, that's the way I took it, which could be. That's one way to interpret it. Someone asked me over the weekend. It is, but that's Uh, that's odd. Um, So I see how there's three ways to take this question. So the first way to take it is, is is replacing a battery going to affect its value because it's not the original battery anymore, I would say no, because it's a freaking lithium battery. Right. To me, that's like replacing the battery in an old car. Um, or a watch. It has to it has to run, yeah. after all. You know, and, and, then, and it's not the same as a fucking repro label. Uh, that argument with the old class car, shut up. It's not the same. Right. Because um, it's not acceptable. But anyway, so... Well, there's no repro labels on cars. Well... I guess flames. Anyway, but from that perspective, I see that as, yeah, if you want to be able to save your Legend of Zelda cart, to me, that would make the, the value be retained, if not more, because it's operating, fun- it's functioning properly. Um, the other way to take it, um, because if it's working better, will that make the value go up? What do you think? Yes. So, the best example I can use is something like uh, Pokemon. Um, so... We won't take in a Pokemon cartridge at Luna unless we test. We literally have Game Boys on our desks that have masking tape over them that say Pokemon Test Game Boy. 
And every game, bo- every Pokemon game that comes in, and, and honestly, most most popular battery save Game Boy games, um, Zelda's, etc., uh, will pop in there and we'll test them and make sure that they're still holding saves. And if they do, we buy them. And if they don't, we don't buy them. But sometimes people will say, well, I don't want it anyways, and they'll donate it or whatever, and I'll toss them a few bucks. But, so, you know, um, a Pokemon game that's still holding its its battery save uh, will charge, you know, like 30 bucks for. If we end up with enough donated ones, we uh, pass them off to a local guy who will replace all the batteries for us, and we will label them as new battery, and we charge ten bucks more. It's about five bucks for the battery, mm-hmm. and uh, we pay the guy five bucks for the labor. Okay, and he's more than happy to do it. And you know, we buy the batteries, we pay him five bucks for the labor. He's well, you know who he is, but I'm not going to mention him. Um, you can take a wild. Guess. I can get. I can guess. Yeah, yeah. So he does it, and um, people snap those up. Way quicker than they snap up anything. They feel else. more secure. They feel more secure, and we offer a warranty. Because we're actually playing those games. Yeah, we we warranty those. If the battery goes bad on that, we warranty those differently than other games. If the battery goes bad on that uh, on those within ninety days, um, we'll take them back and we'll exchange them. We'll replace the battery, but but people are still feel more confident, especially with a copy of like Pokemon Gold, Silver, or Crystal which has a running internal clock and drains the battery oh, faster, yeah. they will take that fresh battery over, even though we guarantee that, yes, this came in hold, with yeah. the ability to hold saves, they will take that gold, silver, and crystal with a fresh battery for $10 more than they will a uh, you know one that just came in that we tested and, and know that holds the save. So... Um, by the way, you, you, I think you're paying too much. Uh, you can get them for less than $2 in bulk, those Game Boy batteries. Oh, for, for and probably. Ones. But we usually get, like, the Duracell ones, you know, just to make sure that they're pretty quality. All right, I'll check that. Um, I don't know what we could get them for online. So, anyways, yes. I do believe that replacing a dead battery in an old game cartridge, depending on the game, can certainly in- affect its value in the positive. Less than $2 each in bulk, Duracell ones. Right. Well, then I should go online and just buy a show. Oh, do you buy them at the local Rite Aid? Yeah. I mean, it's not like You're we have a... You're a business. Buy them in bulk. We, we, it's not like we have a ton of these things laying around. You're losing money. Jesus Christ. Okay. Sorry. Well, maybe, honestly, we pay, we pay our pal to just do it. And whatever he charges. I don't know where he gets the batteries. Maybe he's making more profit. We used to buy the batteries. Okay. I don't want to turn this into an awkward conversation about uh, smart business practices. Ian. Your smart business practice. So, um, what's interesting is about those those Zelda batteries, though, most of them still are pretty good. Well, that's, that's the thing. Amazing. I, I don't think it necessarily increases the value of some games because games like Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow, Zelda, Zelda 2, they're using so little of yeah. the battery's power. It's only when it's first accessed and, and when it saves. Otherwise, it never touches it. Right. That, yeah. I mean, I, I, 
I've mentioned this so many times in so many different places that my Dragon Warrior 1 cartridge still has my mom's save game on it from when I first got it. Sure. You know, I mean, yes, they do die, but it takes so long that... Yeah, it's like having a watch on once a week for like two seconds. It's going to take forever to drain. Yeah, so I, for, you know, claiming your Zelda has a new battery in doesn't it, mean fresh anything. battery, that doesn't mean fuck all. I, I get to see an NES game claim new battery like, I, and mean anything. I really honestly think it only matters to games that also have an internal clock. And off the top of my head, I know there's more, but that would be Pokemon Gold, Silver, Crystal. Your internal clock's ticking right now. Uh, yep. Nice, Ian. Thanks. All right, Ian. We have a Patreon Q&A segment. Ian, why don't you explain the, the CU Podcast Patreon to everyone where they can access it? Uh, you go to www.patreon.com slash CU Podcast? Yeah. You don't need that www. You don't need the HTTP colon slash I just needed a moment to think. Because last time you didn't know where our, our Patreon was. Yeah. You got you got to you got to uh, write every once in a while on there, Ian. It's been a while, buddy. Yeah, well, if I wrote today, it would have been bad. Well, Ian, I got a chip around. This is a great podcast right now. Yeah, it is. It's good. We're making people happy. We are. All right, so happy let's, podcast. Let's let's go to let's go to a question. Hey fellas, this is Gizmo here from Colin from Alabama. Pat, after the Super Nintendo guidebook comes out, any plans on doing something with a smaller run of games? Something like maybe the 32X, which has 34 games, or the Turbo Graphics, which is only 138. It sure would save you some time. Bye. What's that little coy? Sure would save you some time. What am I, a book machine? I could just like conjure up a book. I, I yes, would, yes. Uh, Turbo Graphics would be easier. Than, I, I than, would like to uh, see a 32X mega pamphlet. Yeah, I mean, okay. When you talk about a book, you got to think about time versus who the hell's going to actually want to read it and actually purchase it. It's not like these, these books can be written in a week and a half. The, the first book almost killed me, all right? It almost destroyed me. What's wrong with your face, Ian? Why are you turning the same pink as your City Connection logo? logo there. I don't know. But, um, I was just, you know, never mind. You were just pontificating? Yeah, I was just pontificating. Yeah, but I mean, so, okay, Super Nintendo book is going to take a similar amount of effort as the NES book, Yeah, right? Similar amount of effort. So, that's going to be um, hell again. But there's going to be people that want the Super Nintendo book. There could be more people that want the Super Nintendo book than an NES. Could be. At least the same amount, probably, in my estimation. 32X book. Yes, a lot less effort. I would, I would probably end up selling on Kickstarter 23 32X books. Like, it would probably be around that amount that would buy a 32X book. You're going to upload it later, but uh, we actually had a fun conversation similar to this at the uh, Continental Breakfast podcast at, about at, the RCA Studio. Uh, yeah, the RCA Studio, too. Where we were just going to hand Spiral Bound and yeah. Xerox, you know, like 12 copies to yeah. see if we I mean, can break even. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that's the over-under on an RCA Studio 2 book. <laughs> the 12 copies that you could sell on a Kickstarter. So for TurboGrafx-16, it would be more than a 32X, but not anywhere near an NES Super Nintendo book. So you don't know. But there is less games. So if there was a you know a thousand TurboGrafx games, uh, that would probably I'd be hesitant to even think about that. But being there's 140, and then you can throw in some PC Engine games, it becomes more manageable. 
And then you can have fun with it. Maybe do a history part and, you know, do things like that. There would be a good trade-off. There'd be a trade-off where even if you didn't do the same amount of sales, you can still turn probably some sort of profit and make it worth your while. And you wouldn't have to take three years to do it. Right. You can do a TurboGrafx book in probably less than a year if all your ducks are in a row. Why do I keep saying ducks in a row? I'm, I'm... I have any other analogy I can use? Quack. You ever see a duck in? You ever see ducks in a row, like like yeah. on the lake or pond? Yeah. No. Yeah. I've only seen ducklings behind their their mama duck. I well, never I mean, saw the that, rest that, of the that, ducks that, in a row. That's a row. And so that makes it seem like you're going to be shooting the mama and their ducklings. No one does that. That's not sporting, is it? Why do you keep thinking that people are going to shoot the ducks just because they're in a row? Because you get them in a row to shoot them. That that's the expression. You get your ducks in a row, then you shoot them. You don't get them in a row to look at them. Next question. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Zach Wary. My question for you guys is, in 2017, do you think it's viable to start a retro video game shop? Uh, the reason why I'm asking this is because I've been thinking of opening up my own in my local city, just because the only video game stores we have are game stops. You know, obviously there's pawn shops that sell video games in addition to a few other things, but one of the coming uh, comments I've gotten back is, obviously, the competition from online. Online sellers, obviously don't have the overhead expenses that brick-and-mortar shops do. So, again, the question, do you think it's worth opening up a retro video game shop in 2017? And if so, what things would you guys do to make it a viable and successful business? Thanks, and I love the podcast. Take care. We've actually had this before, I believe. We have. And my answer has always been a very, very cautious fatherly no you okay do we even have a chance you have to be i would say in a location there's no other store around for like at least a 30 to 45 minutes no other option you have to have money to sustain this without profit for at least a year two years no three to four three to four i at least three the 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 common knowledge in the restaurant industry and everyone eats, is that you need to be ready to take a loss or not make profit for three years. Sure, but a restaurant has a lot more overhead and expense up front than a retro game store does. A re- uh, retro video game store has a lot more cost than up front than it uh, did 10 to 13 years You're ago. You're talking about acquiring the inventory. Yes. So it really depends on what kind of inventory you have. But if you have the inventory going into it, like a collector does, you have a chance. Yes, but you have to have a huge collection. A massive collection. Your collection is not necessarily large enough to open a video game store. Is that a challenge? Do you want me to open up a video game? <laughs> no, but I'm just saying it's you've sold off a lot of your doubles and things like that. Oh, sure. You have singles. I have singles. No, you're right. I don't have. I don't have. You know, thirty-five. So you have an inc- you have an incredible collection, but that that does not necessarily equate a store. Sure. Um. So the inventory is obviously more expensive to get, even though the prices have come down a little bit. You know, so so you either have to be able to find really good deals and charge going rate, or you have to take the risk on buying at slightly lower than going rate and charging slightly above going rate just to get the stuff in. Just to get the stuff in, and then you have to wait a couple of years until you have a customer base that will constantly bring you rolling trade-ins at which point then you start to sit more comfortably as you don't have to worry about going out to get your stock people bring it to you 
And that was a lot easier 10 years ago. The only thing is, there was a, the only thing that's changed my opinion slightly, and this is not me saying, okay, go run out and get it and do it, is that someone did come up to me in Phoenix and they said, hey, you know, I'm real happy to meet you. You know, it's, it's great. I want to talk to you about, you know, opening a store. You told me, I think it was the person who originally asked this question. They were like, you know, you said not to open one. They said, and I, I took your advice to heart, but due to circumstances, I ended up with a lot of games and things happened and I couldn't store them anymore. So I did. And I opened them. I opened a store in an area that had no stores in the outskirts of Phoenix and we're doing great. And I was like, well, congratulations. But it, it really depends on the situation of the sure, area. Sure, you also have the area where, where people, a decent amount of populated area where they can acquire those games themselves, too. Or not. You, yeah. I don't think you can just rely on, at this day and age, people just clearing out their closets for yeah. games. At this point, you also have to rely on having a population of either collectors or gamers that have had a lot of games for a long time and have a, a decent amount of stock that are going to trade that in So keep it going. I think the two major things are, what is your rent? How dedicated are you to potentially running the store entirely on your own for the first couple of years to cut down on employee and overhead costs? Um, and how cheaply can you acquire your inventory? Because sure. if you get a windfall and you acquire, you know, you can acquire 1,500 PS2 games for next to nothing and get some good stuff in there, well, great. You've got one section of inventory taken care of. Mm -hmm. And then if you have to pay a little bit more for your NES stuff, but you've got some good PS2 stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like, sure. you've got to be able to shuffle that around. You got It's one of those things where you have to... It's almost at the point now, like you said, with with opening a video game store, you have to look at it as being a collector first. And if you're willing to dump money into a collection but think about opening a store later, it depends on how many windfalls you can you can come into. If you can come into enough to open a store and you're financially stable, then go ahead and do it. Last question from this person. Hello, everyone. Daniel Greenberg calling from Winter Iron Game Studios in the historic video gaming district of Clifton, Virginia. Hello, Daniel. Question to chew on. As VR platforms expand beyond early adopters, what classic game franchises do you think are best suited to take advantage of the tech and why? Thanks again for the podcast, gang. Very efficient. Daniel, thanks for the question. Very efficient, straight to the point. Said your name, where you're from, and plus you're writing for a certain Super NES guidebook as well, Daniel. <laughs> so, what classic game franchises would best suited for VR? Um, that's okay. a tough one. So, actually, it's pretty easy because I think it was, I think it was, uh, well, one good answer. Uh, well, one serious answer would be. Um, after playing Metroid Prime, just the first one at least, uh, and seeing how well they did it in first person, I think Metroid could be interesting in VR. Um, a still serious but more joking answer that Norm and I talked about uh, at Game On Expo in Phoenix was uh, Duck Hunt in VR. Okay, you're getting, you're seeing a pattern here for sure. Uh, um. No, but Duck Hunt gives you a whole world 
to hunt ducks in. Uh-huh. Uh, but then Norm and I decided we would just fuck off and explore the world. Yeah, that could be fun. And just, just but, not. But you not see, the pattern dogs. is that the, you're relegating this to, to first person shooters. No. VR. Though. But no, that, that, that's the point. Duck Hunt's a first person shooter. You, 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 you think first person shooter with something like Duck Hunt, but if you make the world rich enough, you just go off no, and no, do whatever the but hell you want. Your concept of classic games is now limited to first person shooters because I, I've seen the gameplay of the. VR Super Mario Brothers and stuff like that. I have no intention of ever wanting to play that. No. That looks fucking awful. Oh yeah, you're does. never going to translate over the same experience of a side scroller to a virtual reality uh, platformer like that. It's just not going to happen. Something like a uh, Wipeout, the Wipeout series would be yeah. great. A racing VR. game, obviously. Yeah, because you're almost there. It's as close to a virtual reality game as you're going to get playing like an arcade style racer. Um, sure. In reality, I don't. I guess if we're talking seriously, troopers. Three, yeah, virtual reality. What? I don't think there's a lot of stuff that... Maybe it's why I'm not so interested in VR. I don't know that there's a lot of stuff that does translate to virtual reality there very well. Not. Besides shooters and stuff like that. I'm still waiting for that. Oh, this is the year VR is going to take off. Still waiting. Still waiting. Yep. I mean, I've played some good stuff in VR. I played Thumper in VR, which is a rhythm game, but it... it, it why it works in VR is because it's still coming from the zooming down a track standpoint. Sure. Thank you, Daniel, for the question and those other questions. We have a bunch of others. We're going to get to them next time. If you want to ask a question uh, via voice, voice is the hot thing, Ian. It's going back from digital and text to voice. You know it's digital. Go to patreon.com slash CU podcast. We have a bonus segment that I forgot to. We're not going to spend that much time on it, Ian. There was a huge collection in Milwaukee, retro collection, that was reported on in the Milwaukee record. And for $30,000. And what's interesting about this collection, we talked about collections before in the podcast. This one doesn't seem extremely overpriced. No, it doesn't. I would say that. Yeah, I put the link there, Ian, at the bottom of the Q and A that you can see it. So this collection, the other cool thing about this one, uh, on this, you can look at the pictures. It includes like the World of Nintendo display, like I have the fiber optic one. It has these those cool uh, Game Boy Super Nintendo shelf um, displays where the actual games and the boxes go in. Mm-hmm. And there's a decent amount of games. Now I'm not going to postulate that this is worth thirty thousand dollars, but this isn't like the ones we've covered in the past. They're like. Eighty nine thousand dollars for tw- for twenty thousand dollars for the game. Yeah, <laughs> there's a Pac Man chalkboard. There's the Legend of Zelda um, little um, tr- treasure chest to store toys on it. Um, it's interesting. It's definitely interesting. It is. And there's and- also a Google Doc uh, of the items that you can click on. So what I don't like about a lot of the ones we've covered in the past, it was it'd be like, oh, three thousand games. And I'll list like 50 of them. You can guess what the fucking rest of them are. Right. No, this lists all of them. Do you want to go through the list? Um, well, you can pull up the list oh. while I talk for a little bit. Yeah, okay. I already pulled the list. But go ahead and talk. So what what is interesting to me is that this, this collection and this person selling it, um, it seems to be part of a larger trend, though. Um, while this one's definitely more reasonable, and I like that. I like that this guy's being real reasonable about his collection and his offer, but it's kind of a trend that we're seeing. It's these um, people who are selling off their collections 
because they need the space. They're married. They're getting ready to start a family. And they're realizing they don't have the room for this anymore. They don't have a game room anymore. And uh, suddenly, they don't have space for this. So they got to sell it off. And then they got in touch with me, Ian. Huh? They, they emailed me. Right. But what I want to, the reason I want to kind of bring this up is this person never probably thought that they would get rid of their game room. And uh, I'm just going to say it real quick. All these people who talk about how they're never going to get rid of their games and repro labels don't hurt anyone and all this sort of stuff. Um, you might find yourself in a position at some point where all of a sudden you're going to get rid of your games real quick and oh my God, they're out in the wild again. So you may think that your game collection is permanent right now, but it's not. And, um, you know, I admire this guy for offering uh, up his collection and just saying he wants people to enjoy it and offering a reasonable price. But, uh, yeah, Pat, yeah, take it away with the list. So we got 536 NES games. So not a full library, but a respectable size library. Uh, How many in the box there? Uh, Less than 100. Super Nintendo, you're talking, let's see how many Super Nintendo. It's a Google Doc, but you can't edit it. There is about 80 Super Nintendo games. Okay, not as much there. But you got, like, your your heavy hitter popular ones. Like, you got your Super Mario, all the Super Mario games, and RPG, and Super Metroid. And you got your Zombie at My Neighbors, Zelda Link to the Past, Super Metroid. So you got all the fun ones. Right. So we're not talking, a, not a huge amount of money. Chrono Trigger, Castlevania 4, all Donkey Kong countries, you know, the Kirby games. So... That's a respectable amount of money right there. Again, we're trying to build up to 30. I'm not saying 30 is, is a proper number, but... you know, It's not uh, as outlandish as what other stuff that people... we've seen. Right, because All we've right. seen other collections that ask insane amounts, yes. but they don't have things like stadium events or Little yeah. Samson. This is a guy who's at least adjusting somewhat sure. for not having Sure, those. 115 and 64 games. Uh, many of those are in the box, by the way. Um, and, and actually, a decent amount of Super Nintendo ones are in the box, too. Um, and you have your, obviously your Mario parties, your Mario Kart, your Mar- you know Mario Golf, um, Pilot Wings, Powerpuff Girls, Chemical Extraction, um, all your Zelda versions, uh, Game Boy, not only like ten. And then you have your systems. You have uh, wow, he has every N sixty four variant system: smoke, yeah. watermelon, lime green. He did, green. I Com- remember seeing that complete he, box. He green, had a lot of box, box yellow controllers systems. All, all, all the controllers. Excuse me, he has all the controllers uh, a lot in the box. Then he has expansion ports. Uh, he has a, a bunch of... Wow, who has more than three NES in the boxes? I mean, who does that? Um, and then, <laughs> I like all the promo and displays. Yep. That's what I like. Yep. That's, to me, where the money starts coming Come in. in. Yep. Because when you start averaging out, uh, for example, um, yeah, um, like I said, like those shelf displays where you put the NES carts in. Depending on you, I mean, it's hard to price those out, but you go to an auction at like a PRGE at Portland, those can go for $500 or more, more. E- easily yeah. each. I mean easily, those displays. That fiber optic, you can get probably a grand for that at this point, just for that. So that's what I mean. When you really get into it, you can see how this starts piling up. Not again, not saying 30000 but fifteen, twenty. that's probably not in the realm of possibility. And so, I mean... Unlike the other ones where it's obscene, at least this one for someone with the money to just be like, if you have the money, okay, for convenience sake, there is, I guess I have slightly less of a qualm with this one for just being like, okay, here, I'm I'm getting it all right now. And by the way, 
Uh, Robert Stack, update. update. That used to freak me out as a fucking kid. I fucking love the stack, man. Anyways, shame he's dead. Rest in peace. Update. It's no longer listed for sale. So this could have been a private deal that he already pulled the listing. I wish I uh, he emailed me back, but he did email me because email me, I asked questions like, when did you start collecting? Why are you getting out? So I'm just going to read the email, then we're going to get out of here and we'll get some Wendy's. I grew up in the late... Hey, Pat. I grew up in the late 80s, early 90s, and played a ton of NES Super Nintendo. During high school, most of the games I acquired as a kid sat in my grandma's basement, but I picked up the hobby again in college. For the past few years, I spent most weekends at garage sales, flea markets, auctions, making Craigslist deals, etc. I would say 80% of my collection came locally. Wow, that's a high percentage. But a few places... A few pieces were from eBay. The Rent and 64 banner and One Clock were nice eBay snags. W-O-N Clock. I'm not sure what that is. I'm only. Ke- I asked him if he's keeping anything. I'm World only of keeping. Nintendo clock. Uh, I'm only keeping. Um, what is it? One Nintendo clock. World of Nintendo. Oh, World of Nintendo clock. clock. I'm only keeping one N64 slash Super Nintendo slash uh, NES console and my favorite double sided Super Mario sign. That double sided sign can go for like four or five hundred dollars by yeah. the point. Again, signs go for a lot. My plan is to buy EverDrives uh, for the collection. I uh, said after the collection's gone. I really like the idea because I can still play my favorite games on the original hardware. More and more people are doing that. I, yep. to someone I did on, it with my NES collection. Someone in Game on Expo told me they're doing that, specifically. Yeah. Uh, my favorite system to collect for is the N64. Here's a cool story. I knew a guy in Madison, Wisconsin, who was going for a mint complete only N64 set. He would open the sealed games and sell me his boxes. So that's interesting. Um, <laughs> there isn't really a single prized piece that he's after, but the world of Nintendo... Oh, Fiber Optic... Always gets the most attention. That's his favorite piece, is that. And again, I'll get over at least a grand at this point. Mine's still on for sale. Final thoughts. I thought you sold it. Collecting, you find my uh, Caltron manual. Final thoughts. Collecting six or seven years ago was so much fun. I don't know why you're giving me the finger. You screwed me out of that. Every Saturday, I could stop at a garage sale or Goodwill and find a bunch of retro games for dirt cheap. Craigslist and eBay were flooded with parents who wanted to get their kid shit out of basements and eggs. Yes. But a couple of years ago, the hobby started booming. A couple of years, I'd say three or four at least. More collectors got into the scene, and finding anything locally became more of a chore than anything I actually enjoyed. Within the past year, I've only made a couple of cool purchases, which made me realize that my hunt for games was just as fun, or more fun, than actually playing the games themselves. Cheers, Charles. Pat, happy to buy you a beer and some cheese curds if you ever happen to be in Wisconsin. Thanks, Charles. I like cheese curds, too. But it's important because (laughs) it's something you hear from... Yeah, Ian's invited, too. We can go to the next Tech Mobile tournament. It's something you hear about Thrill of the Hunt. Being important too. Yeah, going out to garage sales. The competitive nature has gotten to the point where yes, it is hard, really hard to find stuff at flea markets, or he goes to garage sales, things like that anymore. And uh, it's just a combination of, of things. You realize that you know sometimes you just look and say, hey, do I really need all these games? Where's my life gone? Why well, am I in my late thirties and not making any headway with anything in my personal endeavors or business? Because all pro basketball was something you had to have. But are oh, you saying something? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, all pro basketball. Yeah, yeah, two stars. <laughs> so anyway, there you go, Charles. Good luck. I think you sold your collection already. Um, I might send you an email right now. Hey, did you sell your collection? I'll put a little text thing. You can answer me by tomorrow. Hey, did you end up selling? I saw the listing gone. Smiley face. Okay. Any last thoughts, Ian? No. Okay, great. Awesome. My life means it means nothing. Okay. Good night. Um, that's and it. good luck. That's it for this CU podcast. This is a weird one. 
This is a strange CU podcast. You're going to get me in trouble with the CU podcast. You can uh, edit out the troublesome. Oh, I can edit out the second one. The first one is going to be a little harder to edit out. First you can one leave I, the first one in. Okay, well, whatever. Then then our, our pals online will come after you for a change, not just me. That's fine. Um, um, <laughs> Ian, order. I like aggressive Ian. If you want to support us, it's patreon.com. Come at me, fuckers. It's patreon.com slash CU podcast. You can follow us and please subscribe on Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, uh, iTunes, your your podcast platform of choice. Fucking uh, hack. Follow, follow me. He's on Twitter at Pixel Sickle. I uh, follow me at Pat the NES for Ian Ferguson. You're an April Fool's joke, you fucking son. I'm Pat Contry. We'll see you later. Ha <laughs> ha.